0: Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash Take, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter My Take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on guys, my take radio episode 177 for Thursday, March 21st 2013, our call in number is 347-324-3541, again that call in number is 347-324-3541, so we're dealing with a bit of a technical issue for some reason, I don't know why our mixer board does not want to play any sound clips for the show. So. I don't know what the hell is going on with that, so I'm going to have to resort to using good old blog talk radio sound drops for the time being until I get it figured out. Of course, this is something that seemed to have happened right before we went on air, but, you know, what else can we expect? Anyway, we got lots to discuss. Of course, we're coming off the uh, one-week hiatus from last week, which I'm going to get into. We um, had the opportunity to go to the Samsung unwrapped event with the unveiling of the Galaxy S4 which was a pretty cool event. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. A um, couple of things I got to discuss first, as always, our call number 347-324-3541. Again, that call number 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line 347 That's three four seven eight mtr right. So as I said last week, We did not do the live show because we were at the Samsung event, and a couple of things happened with regards to that, and one of the things that gets me is the fact that a lot of people went in there expecting to get free phones, and needless to say, that didn't happen, and what we ended up getting was a very, very over-the-top, highly theatrical presentation leading up, obviously, to the showcasing of the phone's features and the device itself, which was okay. I mean, it was done in Radio City Music Hall. Samsung spared no expense, and it was, like I said, it was really cool. It was just very, very disorganized initially. It was like I got there, I was on one line for an hour, then I was on another line for an hour. Just just complete bullshit from all angles. And, and you know, these are things that you have to expect. The only thing that got me was the fact that You know you go in there to see this event and it's like you get on one line you go from that line to another line then it's like oh you're on the wrong line you have to go to the press line just very very frustrating initially but you know we got through it and it worked out well the only thing that gets me is the fact that so many people that were there just were really saying oh man you know it'd be cool if they gave us gave out phones and stuff listen. Samsung is probably on the verge of reaching or surpassing Apple with the amount of people that were in radio city music hall at the time. I sincerely doubted that they were going to give out anything on the contrary. What they ended up doing was they gave you a swag bag when you left and it was filled with a potato salad, a three bean salad, a stale roll, a cookie with the number four on it, and a brownie that's what you got that was your swag the only thing that they gave you of remote value was a 64 gig micro sd card which whatever it's always welcome those are always good to have but anybody that went in there with the with the expectation of something free sadly mistaken i really did enjoy checking out the device the device definitely was very very advanced but Before everybody jumps on board talking about how this is a revolutionary device, I personally disagree. I don't think it's revolutionary. I think it's evolutionary in the sense that there were some enhancements to the new phone, but it wasn't stuff that was turning the industry on its head. Obviously, a lot of the stuff that they showed, dual cameras, um, some of the other enhanced features were really nice. The S Health those things they were they were cool but that was all software based from a hardware standpoint um, the device was mostly plastic and the screen wrapped around a little bit around the edges and I'm sure that that may or may not be get it get cracked depending on on the people that own the device honestly Samsung did the right thing by doing something so big because it really showed that they can they can really hang with Apple like I said, a little disorganized, but the device itself was was very nice. It wasn't really cheap. I know people were complaining, oh, it's made of plastic, but listen, you want brushed aluminum, you want all this stuff, you better get ready to pay brushed aluminum Apple money. Not to say that you're not gonna pay that with the with the Galaxy phone, but it's on a it's on a whole different <clears throat> playing field. Yikes, water went down the wrong way. Sorry. Anyway. Besides getting to spend some hands-on time with the device, I actually got to see some of the other stuff that they unveiled, which will be complementing the device, including, get this, a heart rate monitor, a scale that you can tie with your phone, so that way your phone can tell you what a fat ass you are. Um, you're also going to get something similar to a Nike Fuel Band, which you can purchase, obviously, all this stuff separate, and that will monitor your calories burned, your sleep, um, how many steps you've taken, just a, a lot of life systems will be able to be monitored on the phone which I think is cool I mean honestly I know a couple of guys one of one of the guys I work with has a Nike fuel band and it's tied to his phone it's a pretty cool device I've I've tested out the Lark sleep system which I used to wear to go to sleep which monitored my sleep patterns I think there's definitely a market for that and tying it into your mobile device we're we're at a stage where our phones are not only our methods of communication, but there are alarm clocks, there are PDAs, there are sources of entertainment. In some cases are remote controls. In other cases, they are the only means to navigate documents on the go without using a laptop. So these enhancements to me are definitely steps in the right direction. I just feel that it's going to get to a point where you're going to fill it with so much stuff that's really not going to get used like me personally. If I were to get the the Galaxy S4, I definitely would use the S Health functionality. I would use the the, the S Band. I would use the heart rate monitor in the gym. I wouldn't buy the scale. Um, they also showcased the game controller, which was pretty cool. Obviously, letting the handheld market, letting them know that the, the, that mobile gaming definitely is encroaching on their on their market, which was something that was very random because it wasn't talked about during the the presentation but the controller that they have with it is is pretty pretty solid it's not changing the world or anything but it's nice enough that it looks similar to if you guys want to do some research look up the Moga controller M O G A you'll get an understanding of what I'm talking about the Moga controller was released shortly after the note came out and that controller was well received. I know a couple of guys. I think Uriah from the show radio actually got one and pretty much you connected to your Note or your Galaxy S3 and you'll be able to play a couple of the games using the controller. I just felt it was very cumbersome from a portability standpoint because you got to take your phone out of your pocket, go in your book bag and take out this, you know, big ass controller. And it's not something that Just blends in. It's something that's actually very, very obnoxious-looking because it's it's so out of the ordinary. And in regards to that, I think if you want to add something like that to a mobile device, you shouldn't add a giant controller. I saw a device that they released a while back for the iPhone where you you pretty much attached it to the back of the phone and it would slide out, and it had a small cross controller. Four face buttons, start and select. I think I saw this about a year or two ago, and I felt that that's the kind of controller that should be released if you want to do anything with any mobile devices. Something that's small, unobtrusive, and above all else, easily integrated into the mobile device. The controller Samsung showcased, like I said, it was nice, but a little too obnoxious for my liking. The other thing I want to talk about, which I'll get into in the entertainment segment i got to see olympus has fallen on monday night and it was uh it was interesting i'll get into that later on in the segment but like i said the samsung event was cool i am super behind in terms of getting a write-up out i started a write-up for it shortly after that 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 pat you know this past friday and you know i took 528 pictures plus four videos and the, the audio quality for the videos was just ridiculous because there's a lot of people talking. There's um somebody took a phone off a of display. I don't know if they were trying to steal it, but it kind of seemed that way with all the attention that was focused in a particular area. But there's some obnoxious beeping. So what I'm going to end up doing is those videos are going to go up on our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com dot forward slash my take radio TV. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually just record new audio and just kind of walk you guys through. The phone and some of the stuff that I got to mess around with at the event. The write-up for the event itself will probably be up shortly after the show is finished. Uh, dealing with a nice heavy case of writer's block. Which kind of fucked things up a little bit. But it's all good. We'll get past it. I think um, the, the article is at the right place where it should be. And it should be released later on this evening. Along with a ton of other stuff. But... Slick has been kind of keeping the site active with a lot of great stuff from Young Justice. He's got some other stuff you guys should be on the lookout for this weekend. I got to give you guys reviews for three games that I picked up, including Metal Gear Revengeance, God of War, Gears of War, um, Man with the Iron Fist. So a lot of homework I got to do for you guys this weekend. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to get into, and this was kind of on on the monologue side of things, is... Something very interesting that I saw, especially this week, and that's, it has to do with PAX East. PAX East starts um, uh, unofficially tonight through and through the weekend. And PAX East, to me, is the East Coast, I'd like to say the East Coast E3. It's not on, on as big a scale, but I feel that it's definitely up there, and over time it definitely can become the equivalent of e3 for those of us here on the east coast i think that's something that for those that that cover the gaming industry it, it's very frustrating that the east coast doesn't really get their own signature event a lot of the stuff you know san diego comic-con west coast e3 west coast all that stuff it, it's it's out there and a lot of people feel left out here but pax east they're really starting to push it and show off a lot of stuff and like i said a lot of a lot of great people that I know are up there doing their thing, including our partners from Unveil. They got their booth up there. They got some My Take Radio flyers up there. Scan the QR code. You can get the MTR app or visit the My Take Radio site. And they're working up there. Steven and his crew, Noel Brown, those guys are up there. Robski from RTV, and they're putting in the work at PAX E. So if you are at PAX over the weekend and you're listening to the show, definitely stop by give those guys a hello, let them know, you know, you heard about them from the show, etc., etc. I think they'd really appreciate it. But the crazy thing with PAX East that, that kind of, it didn't get my goat, but it's just something that's very crazy is that I've been getting a lot of emails from different gaming companies about all the stuff that's going to be showcased at PAX East. Some of the stuff you guys are aware of already, other stuff is going to go up on the site over the weekend And the thing that kills me is that people are really, 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 really more concerned about discussing the parties and the after parties and the drinking and all the debauchery and all that stuff. And the crazy thing about it is I'm not even saying it from a standpoint uh, of the drinking, because whatever you want to get shit faced, that's on you. But um, me personally, I think that if you're at an event, whether it's Comic-Con or or any industry event where you're representing your, your, not just yourself, but your company, your brand, I think that the main focus should be on, I don't know, covering the news, covering the event itself, and not so much on the parties. I've seen, I'd like to say, over 100 tweets about X party, Y party, this thing, that thing, and not as much about the games that are being showcased, which is unfortunate. I think this is a problem that, Affects not only those that are there at Pax East, but I think those of us that are looking to attend or looking to work the event and get extremely scrutinized in the process. And that's because a lot of guys go over there through whatever connect or whatever little things they do. They go over there. They make jackasses out of themselves, and then it kind of ruins it for everyone else. And I think this was one of the things that uh, somebody told me happened with New York Comic Con last year. Where a lot of people were were selling their press passes, um, letting other people use their press credentials to walk the show floor, and in some cases, you know, things happened. At least that's what I've heard. I don't I don't know how legit that is, but a lot of people seem to have been selling their press credentials to other people so that they can use them during the show, and things like that actually just forced them to crack down a lot. Obviously. A lot of us got caught out there, including myself, you know, when we applied for our credentials because they just had tightened up so much their requirements that for some reason they just didn't choose to let us cover it last year. But I will say this, and I say it not only to those of you that are on the come up, starting your own respective sites or looking to get into the industry or even just looking to attend some of these events, I cannot stress enough. Just because everybody's there having a good time does not mean you are not being watched. It happens. People are watching you all the time. You're being scrutinized and watched all the time. And while people may not talk about it that day, the next day, maybe that week, but who knows three months from now, they may be like, hey, remember that guy that decided to motorboat a cosplayer's boobs randomly at the bar? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, well, don't send him the stuff because the cosplayer worked for so-and-so. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Do yourselves a favor, and I say this, like I said, to those of you on the come-up, and those of you that are at PAX East this weekend, carry yourselves responsibly, represent your brands responsibly, because you're always under the watchful eye of everybody more successful than you. And all it takes is one fuck-up for somebody to kick you under the bus. That's all I'm saying. So, those of you that are out there, our partners at, from Unveil that are at PAX East, you know, have a good time. We'll be covering it our way this weekend, but don't don't trip. We may we may actually do PAX East next year. We'll see if um, we can get it together and and head up there and see what the big the big fuss is about. Because honestly, while I would like to go, I think um, we could just as easily cover PAX East from the comfort of our own homes. Just saying, that's just me. Anyway. So we got lots to talk about including this past weekend's UFC event. Ben is going to be joining me for that around 11:30 or so, probably within the next 10 minutes. We're also going to be discussing the new coaches for the Ultimate Fighter which Ben and I are going to have a good laugh about that because we discussed that multiple times on multiple episodes. We also have the wrestling news for this week. I want to talk like I said about Olympus has fallen. In our entertainment news, we got MPD numbers for February that I definitely want to discuss with Slick. And I also want to discuss what's going on with the Wii U because um, Slick picked up the new Lego City game and he's really been enjoying it. And during the course of discussing that game, we were discussing some of the stuff that's going on with the Wii U, which it seems a lot of people are sharing our sentiments and they've been discussing it at length. I want to get into that a little bit in the gaming segment and also before i forget last night we recorded our interview with jason david frank former green ranger former red zeo ranger white ranger black ranger he's probably practically been every color but besides obviously being in power rangers he is also a mixed martial artist he has his own martial arts schools that we discussed at length and he is also a Guinness world record holder. So we discussed a lot of that last night during the interview. That interview is edited and will be up probably about an hour or two after the show is over. Please note that the interview will be exclusive to MTR app owners for at, for at minimum a week. So those of you that want to listen to the interview right away, if you have the My Take Radio app, you will be able to do it that way. You can pick up the app for your iOS device via iTunes, of course. And for Android devices, you can pick up the MTR app via Amazon. It is $1.99, gives you 96K stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and tons of other cool stuff as well. Plus, we also give exclusive content like our two interview series. We also do the Minority Film Report, which we're going to bring that back, and a couple of other exclusives that are exclusively obviously for the app so like I said you can bag that it's $1.99 in the Amazon marketplace or via iTunes all right so I want to get the ball rolling on MMA I'm sure Ben will be joining us shortly because like I said there's much to, to much to discuss and the crazy thing is that I thought we were going to have a pretty I don't want to say uneventful but quiet MMA week but it seems that things have just gone into a completely different direction um, for a couple of reasons. A couple of guys failed a couple of drug tests, um, a couple of fights got put together, some trash talking is going on, some post uh, UFC pay-per-view controversies have been discussed. So I want to get into that. Let's get the ball rolling. I see Ben is on the line and I'm gonna bring him on board. If you guys heard me uh pop open a can, it was a can of Monster Energy Ultra Zero, which um gonna help us power through tonight's show just because uh sleeping's been a little erratic. But nonetheless, let me bring Ben on because we have a lot to discuss. Ben, what's going on? Welcome back. What's up, man? I don't know, how was spring break? <laughs>
1: It was good. It was it was good. Get out of uh, the country area I live in. And go to the beach. So it was, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, you sound really well rested, man. You 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 you're in the zone. You you feel you sound refreshed.
1: Yeah, it it it, it was it was needed.
0: <laughs> I can't blame you, man. I can't blame you. So, of course, you come back. To a, a crazy shit show of things going on in MMA. And, of course, let's talk about the big one. UFC 158. A lot of hype going in. A lot of uh, serious ramifications for the welterweight division were were definitely uh, laid out with this card. And I want to just pluck out, as usual, a couple of fights I want to go, go into. Um, I want to talk about Rick Story and Quinn Mulhern, which was... Uh, a surprising fight for me, only because you know Quinn Mulhern isn't isn't a can, and Rick Story's always been hit or miss, and he just came in there super aggressive, got himself the TKO with punches in the first round.
1: Yeah, Rick Story looked good. I mean, uh, Rick Story not too long ago was on like I believe a five fight win streak or something. Before he lost to Charlie Brennan. I mean, it's not like he's a bad fighter. Right. Um, I mean, with Quinn Mulhern, it, it more or less came down to. Rick Story was just a bigger, stronger fighter. And he just imposed his will and and uh beat him up there. Uh it was it was pretty pretty one sided. Yeah,
0: it was it you know, the the crazy thing was, you know, Rick Story came in, you know, he was about hundred and sixty nine pounds, but he just looked big at one seventy.
2: Yeah, he 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 looked
1: big one seventy. He's a he's a really, really large one, hundred and seventy pound.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't I think I think um Quinn Mulhern wasn't wasn't expecting that I think also he probably got rehydrated so you know he probably came in around 180 and just and just just use that that size advantage to to really just dominate the guy
1: yeah he did, he did what he was supposed to do he when he when he realized more or less that Quinn Mahorn really couldn't hurt him he just more or less went ape and, and beat hell out him
0: well let's talk about Dan Miller and Jordan Mean. Holy shit. <laughs> Dan Miller Dan yeah, Miller man, must you know I Mean good. Dan Miller got the surprise of the night. Because, you know, it's not Dan Miller's a, a an extremely talented fighter and he just got mm-hmm. caught out there by Jordan Mean.
1: Yeah, Jordan Mean, I mean, a lot of people don't know about Jordan Mean yet because outside of a couple fights he had in strike force, I mean Unless you're watching the score fighting series in uh in uh Canada, you weren't seeing Jordan Mean. But this dude I think he's he's the same exact age as me and has like thirty six some hot fights. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um he he's outside of Roy McDonald, he's probably the second best Canadian prospect. He actually fought Roy McDonald, um this was a long time ago. When they both at one fifty five, I think Roy McDonald beat him by, like head kick. But uh yeah, Jordan me, did what he was supposed to do. He he got out of that armbar which uh looked pretty deep and he was able to uh spin out that arm bar and um get back up and batter Dan Mill on the feet. I think that's the first time Dan Mill has ever been finished.
0: Yeah, when he pulled when he pulled him to his back he just started just teeing off. I was like, Oh my god
1: <laughs> Yeah, he he once he saw he was hurt, it was over.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was blood in the water and then, you know, the the night just continued with solid finishes, you know. Antonio Calvajo and and Darren Elkins ended viciously. Also TKO. Uh, Darren Elkins yeah. first round solid performance out of Elkins. Another guy who kind of under the radar, but definitely very talented.
1: Yeah, he, he's a, he's a good fighter. I mean, uh, I think I think uh, he has. Uh, I think he's on a four or five fight winning streak. I mean, he's a really good fighter.
0: So, Patrick Cote's debut at 170 was. Very, very, very uneventful. And honestly, <laughs> and honestly, I didn't even feel that he won that fight. Because Volker looked pretty good in the second round, man. And even in the third, he had a couple of, of moments of brilliance. I don't know how they gave Kote that fight via unanimous decision. Maybe split at best.
1: Um, I thought that Volker won. I thought Volker did more in the second round and uh, I definitely thought Volko won the third round. Um, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call that a robbery just because I thought there's still a case that can be made for Kote in that second round. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kote didn't look particularly good. I mean, dude's been fighting forever. Um, I don't think just changing weight classes it was going to make him all of a sudden a better fighter, and it obviously has not. Um, he could stick around the UFC for a little while, but I, I just don't think he's, he's, he's long for 170 pounds.
0: No, I don't know. I mean, and, and I always feel bad for Cote because he's a he's a very personable guy, um, always, always fights hard. It's not like he goes out there and throws in the towel. Canadian, you know, Canadian fans love him like he's a staple when they fight in Canada every time. So, you know, stuff like that. Definitely. It's good to see. I just feel that he's he's in a really, really kind of gray area with regards to where he fits in on the roster. Like, I don't want to say the guy's a gatekeeper, because I think he definitely still has something to offer. But I just don't know what division he would fare well in, because coming in at, into the 170-pound division, there's way too many killers in that division.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think... I don't know. I, I, I just don't see... I don't see what particularly he's going to be able to really accomplish in either way, class. I mean, he... Gatekeeper is not really a negative term. I mean, that's more or less what he probably should be considered at this point
0: Yeah, it's just it's just weird because he's he's a guy that you know He he looked he looked really good on, on the season of the ultimate fighter. He was on um He's had he's had some solid fights, but he just can't seem to hit his groove You know he left it he, he got he got cut he fought he picked up a, a nice set of wins came back and then he's just been treading water I guess
1: more or less, I mean, I don't know. He just he, he gatekeeper is probably what he's going to end up being, like you said.
0: So, switching switching things up and, and going into the pay per view side of things, the, those two opening fights, that Mike Ricci Colin Fletcher fight, I'm like, that's your opener. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's your opener. You should have given Dan Miller and Jordan Mean the opening slot.
1: Yeah, those uh. I actually didn't even realize those two fights were on the main card until the main card started. Um, just because when I was looking at the, the breakdown of the card, I just it just it was like, the, the main card is on like three fights? That's weird. Like, I did, those fights just didn't really seem like main card fights and they didn't play out like main card fights. Uh, Mike Ricci did what he was supposed to do against Colin Fletcher, who is a product of the Ultimate Fighter um, Smashers, and he really... He thrived on that show because he was fighting really limited guys. So I got Mike Richie, that was a better fighter. Uh the Nick Re- ring Chris Camozzi fight I was I'm gonna admit I was half watching. Like <laughs> it wasn't really that interesting. <laughs> like I was half watching that fight. It just I just couldn't get into that fight for some reason.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't digging it. I think just the pacing of the fight wasn't working for me and I was really just looking forward to the the top three fights, the welterweight fights that I just watched it, and it was like, you know, when you watch a fight, and you're like, oh, let me get up and go grab something to eat and come back, and, you know, you're not you're not really pausing it if you're DVRing it or not, you just like, ah I'll be right back. I'm sure they'll still be fighting. That was how it went for me. I was like, I I actually got up, I think, in the in the middle of the second round, and I'm like, oh, you know, let me grab some chips out of the fridge, go downstairs, bring up a case of water, and we were still in the beginning of round three. I'm like, eh.
1: Yeah, I I was ordering food when that fight was on, so
0: (laughs) There you go So, Nate Marquardt pretty much got Sent to Dream Street by Jake Ellenberger in, 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 you know, Marquardt's return to the UFC Definitely, um Not the way I expected that fight to go I honestly expected a war
1: Um, I don't know if I necessarily expected a war per se I didn't expect Nate Markler to back straight up into the cage with his hands down (laughs) against someone who hits stupid hard. Like, when he he was doing that, I was like, that's not going to end well because he he got cornered. I think he – I don't know what he was trying to do footwork-wise, but he, like, tried to back up laterally and and didn't circle out, and Jake Elberger just cut him off completely. And for some reason, instead of covering up and trying to get out of that situation, he just put his hands down. And got hit by Jake Ellenberger who hit stupid heart. Um Jake Ellenberger looked good for I guess that minute and some change fight. Uh, he looked
0: real good. Well, you know what was funny, Marquardt was trying to grab the takedown, he just kept getting pounded on. And he was out right there. I think he was out when he went for the takedown. Like that was just instinct to go for it. But I think he was out. You know, he wasn't happy with the stoppage. But I looked at it and I was like, dude, you are you are out. <laughs> Even if it was a flash he can be KO, as unhappy as he wants to, he face planted. Like, yeah, it was a it was a it was a, a flash KO at best. Like he definitely got caught out there.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what he was upset about. Just from from when I was watching it, he face planted. He straight up face planted. There was no like discussion if he was out to me. So I mean, he, he got knocked out because I, I don't know what the hell he was trying. He got knocked out. He got left up against a cage doing I don't know what and got messed up for it.
0: Yeah, he definitely got served on that fight. And then we go from that to a war between Carlos Condit and Johnny Hendricks. I really thought that somebody was going to get hurt viciously in this fight, only because you know, Carlos Condit is a guy that tries to go out there and get the finish. Hendricks has dynamite Dynamite in both fists and that's really where I expected. I thought that fight if it got to the second round I Was I said to myself it'll be a miracle and these guys gave us a war from start to finish
1: Yeah Um. It uh, it absolutely amazes me how easily John Hendricks can like close distance because he's short like he, he's not a really tall dude, and nope he the way he can like close distance and basically throw the left hand, like he was at times just throwing that one punch, and it was just hitting clean Carlos Condit in the face, and he, he looked really good in that fight. Um, I was I was really actually expecting Carlos Condit to be able to um, kind of fight him like he fought Nick uh, Diaz and just kind of stay on the outside, kick him, you know, pepper on with shots, and if, if the finish came, the finish came. I was not expecting them to just be hitting each other in the face flush for as long as they were. Uh, but that was a really, really good fight. Johnny Hendricks looked really good in it. Um, he deserves the next title shot. I hope they give it to him this time. And uh, yeah, and at worst, Carlos Condit is now the third best welterweight in the world.
0: Well, looking at it like that, and and before we get into into the main card, do you think Hendricks has a solid shot of being champion?
1: Yeah. Okay. It's not a great shot.
0: But, he, um, but he's got one.
1: I mean, As good of a shot as you're going to get against GSP, right. I just think that he would be able to... I don't know if he could stop GSP from taking him down, but I think he would be able to, one, if he wanted to, possibly at least put in George Pierre's mind, I can take you down, and might be able to... Because GSP, it's not that GSP is unhittable. Nope. If GSP gets hit by one of those left hands, it could be the the fight. So... There's, I would still, I would still overall pick GSP, but it wouldn't shock me if Donnie, Johnny Hendricks was able to land his left hand and not GSP out.
0: Well, with that said, GSP and Nick Diaz, I, I have to honestly say, delivered as soon as that bell rang, because GSP, as much as he played it off, GSP was super emotional coming into this fight, and I said to myself. There's a potential for that emotion to get the better of him and, and him uh-huh. get caught out there. But GSP channeled that emotion and, and just executed as good as he could. You know, some people were saying he was sick. A lot of people were like, oh, he didn't finish. But honestly, it's not even about whether GSP finishes that fight or didn't. GSP put on a serious clinic.
1: He did, and uh, my response to those people who say he didn't finish, they don't realize how good Nick Diaz is as yep. a defensive grappler. Most the def- most
2: dude, oh,
1: that pass that guard, do any of the stuff he was doing to Nick Diaz would have lost. Like Nick Diaz, the reason he, is, he couldn't finish Nick Diaz is because he, Nick Diaz is a legit Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Like this dude is might be. I won't say the best grappler at 170, but he's on level with Damian Meyer probably. He 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 might be on level with Damian Meyer just as a straight grappler. So for people to be out here like, oh, DS, he didn't finish this, there's a distinct reason he didn't finish. Um, also, I saw people upset that he didn't give him the beating of his life. George St. Pierre don't beat anybody up. I don't know why people thought that was a thing that was going to happen anyway. But <laughs> – like that was just weird to me. But, yeah, I mean, GSP put on a clinic. He did an excellent job stopping Nick Diaz from doing what he wanted to do. The Diaz brothers, though, great fighters are, uh, I won't say one-dimensional, but they're really predictable. They do the same things every time. It's just up to you to stop it, and GSP was able to do it.
0: Well, the thing that gets me is the fact that Nick Diaz, you know, he went in there, and then, of course, you know, people were talking about his, you know, GSP's raps, which is something that came up with Jake Shields and and a couple of different things the fact is GSP went in there and and he executed as well as he could see the problem is and, and to go back to what you were saying Nick Diaz isn't Josh Koscheck who got face surgery from GSP jabs you know he's not he, Nick Diaz is a is a pugilist the guy knows how to how to fight with his hands it's like His hands are just complementary to his Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but they are equal in the sense that, yeah, he can go and he can take you to the ground if he wanted to and possibly submit you, but the hands are what are going to do the bulk of the work. And that's what people fail to realize. It's not like GSP was going in there and letting Nick Diaz tag him in the face or letting Nick Diaz hit him in the body. Nick Diaz is a complete fighter. The guy is up. In the upper rankings of of the 170 pound division for a reason. If people thought it was going to be a mugging, you're, it's two of the best guys in the world. It's going to be competitive, is what it's going to be. It's not like heavyweights. Yeah, I mean, it's not like heavyweights where a dude, you know, a dude throws a, a shot, misses, and then gets clobbered by another dude that's like 300 pounds and he hits the he hits the ground. It's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: basically. I mean, it it it, it was un. I find it unfortunate that GSP is even taking any sort of criticism for this fight. He, he did everything he, he could do to beat uh, Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz, while he didn't look great to me, because um, there were times where I think he could have done more instead of just mugging. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, the fight played out very similar similarly to what I thought it would. And, I mean, now uh, GSP has a new opponent, and hopefully, well, I doubt Nick Diaz is gonna retire, but um Nah <laughs> you know, GSP's getting a new new interest in opponent.
0: Well the thing too I, I wanted to get into is the fact that Nick Diaz was going in there and, and you know he was he was he was throwing some really nice jabs, but I think this in this fight I saw GSP use the Superman jab more than I've ever seen in any of his fights. That Superman jab um, got a lot of work in.
3: Yeah, he did, he did
1: a good job um, with that jab, regular jabs. Like, though Diaz did catch him a couple times on the feet, Diaz was actually beating uh, Diaz up pretty well on the feet with that jab. He'd throw the jab or throw the Superman jab, a head kick, circle out. Like, he, he did a really good job of making it really hard for Diaz to set his feet and be able to step in and throw any punches, which is very similar to what Carlos Condit did to uh, Nick Diaz. Uh, he did a really good job of it.
0: Well, you know, in, in the fifth round, when GSP was working from full guard, and he started throwing elbows, I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, because not to say that that's not something I'd expect to see, but it's not a, pre- a predicament I'd expect Nick Diaz to be in.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's only a few people who will be able to do that in Nick Diaz, and, and GSP is one of them and he was able to get him down, especially in that fifth round, get him down and start um throwing elbows and, and landing some really good ground. Attack.
0: Yeah but but I gotta say this, you know, Diaz was looking for submissions. Like any judge that looked at that fight were like, oh you know, Diaz wasn't staying busy on the bottom, he was. He was trying to escape. He was trying to go for submissions. He went for he went for that Kimura in the fifth. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like Diaz was wasn't busy. Like that's one thing that nobody should say it's like Diaz was busy in bottom position
1: yeah I mean if he wasn't GSP would have just mounted him or something and beat him up there he did a really good job of um going for submissions uh, he went for a bunch of different went for a bunch of sweeps that didn't go through he went for a multiple leg locks GSP was just one step ahead of everything
0: well with that said you know the bonuses got handed out 50 grand Jake Ellenberger took knockout of the night. No submission bonuses were given. Fight of the night went to Carlos Condon and Johnny Hendricks, which it, it, I'm not surprised that that they got it, but Diaz and GSP put on a hell of a fight.
1: Yeah, true. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the uh, the Hendricks-Carlos Condon fight a little bit better. I don't know. I, I enjoyed that fight a little bit more.
0: So switching gears off of pay-per-view, let's go to... The ultimate fighter, which um some people some people just were not digging the way that fight ended. I saw a lot of upset people. Kevin Casey, Team Sonnen taking on Bubba McDaniels, um, Team Jones. Uh Bubba McDaniel won the fight because the dude forfeited at the on the chair.
1: Uh, if what he says is true about I guess he said it kidneys might have shut down or, or something he, he said something I, I don't know if that if that's true then that's a legit reason to, to quit on the stool but you shouldn't quit on I mean unless you can't stand I don't think you should ever quit on the stool but hey yeah, um, he, he knew was, when enough was enough and you know, he gave up
0: well no it was crazy. I good. mean he, he,
1: he only he knows when enough is enough and he gave up so
0: well no it was, it was funny because a lot of people are like oh you know how the fuck do you quit on the stool but what got me was that the guy said that he went through a similar situation, and and you know the kidney shut down, but he didn't want to leave in an ambulance. But he said he, you know, he was like, "Yo, but I got to get out of here," and and it's like, you know, the the dude's like, "Yeah, you know, I won," da da da, da. and I'm just like, "Dude, you won by forfeit."
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if his kidney really shut down, then it's not as Excited about it as Bubba was. Now, if he won because he just quit and Bubba made him quit, that's right. a whole other issue. But well, that's if what, it was just his kidney shut down, then that's a whole different thing.
0: Well, that's kind of what irked me. You know, the dude's like, hey, yeah, you know, taking a man's will and making him not want to fight. And I'm just like, but dude, the guy probably had a medical issue. You didn't take the dude's will. You know, like, the dude looked good in the first round. Okay.
1: Yeah, he did. He, he he clearly won the first round. I mean, if if what he says is true and he does have a kidney or had a kidney, something happened with his kidney. Then Bubba McDaniel didn't break his will. He just so happened to be fighting him when he had a medical ailment.
0: Yeah, well, you know, of course the 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 next round of fights got put together, and oddly enough, Uriah Hall is facing Bubba McDaniel.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we've already said, it, Uriah Hall probably won the show, so we'll see how that fight goes, but um, that should be a good fight.
0: Yeah, and it was funny because Uriah Hall, Uriah Hall wanted to fight um, Josh Salmon, but Josh Salmon is uh, taking on Jimmy Quinlan, then Luke Barnett's mm-hmm. taking on Dylan Andrews, and then uh, Colin Hart and Kelvin Gastelum are meeting as well. So the quarterfinals, I think they're all solid fights, but I think Bubba McDaniel that that little boast that he that he did in this fight may bite him in the ass. <laughs> There's a
1: good chance, especially since we both take Uriah Hall's
0: one show. So yeah, Uriah, Uriah Hall definitely definitely is is in the final. Who who he fights is the is the fun part. But you know either <laughs> either way, it's not like that guy is not trying to go out there and make a statement. And like I said, Dana White did a an incredible job of hyping up. Your dude's not wanting to fight Uriah Hall, so I have a feeling we're gonna get another highlight reel, you know, moment from Uriah Hall before before the season's over.
2: Yeah,
1: because I'm I'm I'm. I guess it's a foregone conclusion that the serial killer that was in the house apparently was Uriah Hall. So
0: exactly, uh, we'll see. Not only that, but you know, like I said, Dana White did a tremendous job selling that. So he was like, "Yo, this dude, this dude is a killer. This dude, oh my God, nobody wants to fight." I'm like, "All right, he killed that one dude, but what else is? What else solidifies that?" So clearly, yeah, so. clearly we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna find out very soon. Yeah,
1: I don't know. It should be interesting.
0: There you go. Well, let's get into the other. Main news for this week because there's there's a couple of things I want to talk about. First thing I want to get into Herschel Walker talking about he wants a shot, another shot in the cage. I mean he's two and oh, he fought both his fights in strike force, one via TKO. He'd like to he'd like to have a fight in the UFC, but you know, he's he's he figured he'll he will he will take a fight and then that'll be it. What do you think? You think Dana should give him a fight? Um Against
1: who, though? Like, who,
2: who is
1: going to fight Herschel Walker and not embarrass Herschel Walker? I mean, especially that's already on the UFC roster. More or less, you would have to sign someone just so he could beat them. I don't know. I think that's a slippery slope because that's more or less a free show fight. Um, it's, it, I don't think it would be – I wouldn't give him a fight. i just let him, you know, go into retirement. But, uh, no, I don't think they should do that. I don't know cuz it is just too much like
0: who would you get to fight him? Yep. Well, you know, according to him, he says, you know, I've had a couple people talk about that they want to fight me, you know, and guys are quote unquote calling yeah. him guys are quote unquote calling him out and not not that I'm downplaying that, but it's like who's really out there calling out Hershey Walker like that? Between you and me, like who's really out there like yo, I want to fight Hershey Walker next? What? <laughs>
1: yeah. That that's <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't I don't know who's really out there doing that. That's it, that's really weird. If you're out here calling out Herschel Walker, why? <laughs> that's
0: that's like me. That's like me coming on air next week and saying, you know, I want to fight Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Like like come on, <laughs> like come on. Like like do you wake up and say you want to fight a fifty one year old guy? Don't get me wrong. He, he's an accomplished martial artist, and he he can whoop most people's asses. But no, no, none of these young dudes are like yo. I want to fight Herschel Walker next. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who's I really saying they want to fight Herschel Walker.
0: See, like that would have been a fight. That would have been a fight that I would have given. That would have been a Kimbo Slice fight.
1: Yeah, no, I do watch Kimbo fight Herschel Walker, but Kimbo is, I believe, boxing or yep.
2: something now.
1: So.
0: Yeah, like 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 that's the kind of fight you know you do a Herschel Walker Kimbo Slice. Um, I, honestly, like I could see Herschel Walker fight like Chris Leben, not 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 to shit on Leben, but that wouldn't be a, a bad fight because those dudes just come out there and just swing, and that'll be it. Somebody hits the yeah, ground.
2: considering
1: where Chris Lieben is now in his uh, career, um, yeah, I think that would be a like a legit fight.
0: You know, or I would have done, I, honestly, I would have done Herschel and Liddell.
1: Um, I think Chuck Liddell would not Herschel
0: walk her out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think so? You think that would happen?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If, 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 if Chuck Liddell's in shape, I think he'd still be able to not Herschel walk her out.
0: Like, those are the kind of fights, like, like if, if you're going to do it like a Masters class type of thing, you know, like a Herschel and a Randy, or a Herschel and a Liddell. You know where it's like both guys are kind of in that in 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 their in that age group where where nobody will look at it like it's a crime, you know like you know where nobody will be like oh my god you're feeding this guy to the lions it's like oh you know Hershey Walker and chocolate yeah, it's not too bad or or Hershey Walker and Tito like shit like that but you know you go in there and you do like Hershey Walker and you know um... Josh Koscheck it's like don't do that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they should give her a fight. I, just, I have no idea who he can. A would fight is. Nah, I don't think they should give her a fight.
0: Poor guy. And it's funny, too, because it's, he's not a bad representative for the sport, but I know that Dana White's going to be like, yo, dude, chill. Can't, can't do that. <laughs> chill. But Dana White also likes yeah. to make money, so he may just be like, fuck. What am I going to do? Yeah,
1: I mean, you can. It could be, it'd be a nice freak show fight, but I just, I just, I don't see who you'd actually have him fight, and realistically, and I it, I don't know how much money you really can make off that. So.
0: Nah, the only way that you could have made a lot of money with that dude was what we were just saying with, with like Kimbo Slice.
1: Yeah, I think that would be about it.
0: So, Roy McDonald's in the news this week because he re-aggravated his neck injury because he went back to train too quick. So he's back on the shelf, sidelined a lot longer now. And um you know, GSP 2.0, man, he wants to get back in there too quick. And it's like, dude, GSP's a machine. He he is a he is a product of science and money. <laughs> you are not there yet. <laughs> Slow your roll.
1: Yeah, he he needs to calm that down. You don't want to you don't want to make that a, a, a super an injury that like derails your career for real, for real. So it's just... You know needs to let that heal, because I mean, it's not like he's fighting for the title anytime soon. Nope. As long as he's fighting anyway, so might as well just let it let it let it heal.
0: <laughs> Especially neck injuries. You know, neck injuries are something that there; it, it, those are always a slippery slope. It's like it's like one wrong move, one wrong twitch, and your career is over.
1: Yeah, basically. So, of uh, basically whatever.
0: one fight that I, I I know you're super pumped about. Ricardo Lamas Korean zombie UFC one hundred sixty two going down July sixth.
1: I cannot wait for that fight just because I haven't seen Korean zombie fight in almost a year. Um that I, I believe that will be the number uh, number one continuous fight. Um or it should be anyway.
0: There's gonna um, be some leather that be slung. A really good fight. They're gonna swing some leather in that fight for sure. Ricardo Lamas isn't playing, yeah. and you know, Chan Sun Jung likes likes to get hit. He's a lunatic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it should, it should be a really, really good back and forth fight. I, I think that'll be a really fun fight.
0: The only thing that bugs me about this card for 162, obviously, you got Silva and, and Weedman, which is a good fight. Tim Bocek and Mark yeah. Munoz is the other fight on that card. Like, eh, I don't know. Hodger Gracie, Tim Kennedy, Andrew Craig, and Chris Lieben, and Seth Buzinski and Brian uh, Melancon are the other fights. And I'm like, that's. The- that's the card you're building with Anderson Silva defending his belt. I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> I don't. Think, I, I doubt that's all the. the oh the no! No no! Yeah. But
0: but but if but if these are the samplings we're getting so far, like yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, hopefully they 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 have a couple more really good fights that they throw on there, um, because I really don't want to watch Andrew Craig or any of these other people they <laughs> just said like when. Random
0: dudes fight. (laughs) Well, you know what, what, what my concern is with with the way they're building this card is that you know they'll say, oh, you know, Chris Weidman isn't a draw. You know what I mean? Because that's the other thing too, and and not to say that that's what that's their intention, but think about it. You're building a card with Anderson Silva defending his belt against the guy that you know statistically he's earned the right to challenge, but you you insist. Is not the guy that you want to see fight Anderson Silva, you get what I'm saying like he's not the guy they want in there
3: Yeah
0: So it's like they're they're yeah. they're almost building the card To make it fail
3: Um,
1: I don't know, I don't know if I'll go that far I mean, Anderson Silva's going to draw fans regardless.
0: Right, but not um, it's not the, it's not the same you Who know?
1: else is on the card um, I don't know, We. I, before before I can say that I have to see what the rest of the cards going to be well, the, no, I mean, not all those fights really suck, but I mean, I know. before, before,
0: yeah. No, I mean, it's something I definitely want to come back and discuss with you, but but I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, don't get me wrong, you're not going to get Chael Son and Anderson Silva numbers, but you're also not doing anything to make people super interested. I I mean, of course, we still got a couple of fights still to put together, but like Hodger, Gracie, Tim Kennedy, eh, maybe, maybe the opener for the pay-per-view, You know, Korean Zombie and Ricardo Lamas is definitely uh, a pay-per-view worthy fight. You know, Tim Bosch, Mark Munoz, eh, you know, hit or miss. I'm sure Lieben and and Craig and Bazinski and Melancon will be probably, um, you know, prelim fights. But still, it's like they got to round that out nicely. Or or you're going to hear Dana White like, oh, you know, numbers were good. They were all right.
1: Yeah, we... I don't know. I, I got to see who else is going to put on there. Hopefully they throw a, a one or two more really good fights on there, and, or at least decent fights on there, and, and just round the card out. Um, Hopefully hopefully they're not doing what you said, like building it to fail, because, I mean, that would be stupid.
0: So It would be. Um, Dana White, you know, post, um, you know, at the UFC 158 press conference, said that from now on they're actually going to do a set fight bonus. Like, usually it fluctuates, you know, 35000 for some of the smaller shows, at UFC one hundred they were giving out hundred thousand dollar bonuses. But from now on, bonuses were gonna be set at fifty thousand across the board. Do you think that by making it such a nice set amount, it's gonna motivate guys to really go out there and fight harder, especially guys who you know are making twelve thousand dollars a fight?
1: Um, yeah, it should. I mean they they had been going trending towards everything being fifty thousand, at least I noticed uh for the last few cards. Um I mean, that's that's a nice round amount. I mean, it's a nice middle ground amount um, for what they're doing because you, you really don't want to have that huge disparity disparity between, like, oh, this is a fuel car, so you only get 35000 But if you're on this Fox card, you get 120000 or something ridiculous like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's good to have that nice round number.
0: Switching gears, it's funny you mentioned UFC on Fox because... Um... Blake Wieda is out of his fight with Chad Mendes, which was going down at UFC on Fox 7. He is, um, yeah. you know, he, he got injured. I'm a little bummed actually because I wanted to see that fight. I think it would have been a nice, a nice mix of styles to to put on an exciting fight. But the card itself for that Fox card is ridiculous. You know, Bendo and Melendez main eventing, Cormier and Mir, Nate Diaz, Josh Thompson, Matt Brown and Dan Hardy, which is Probably a fight that, you know, that that if Hardy loses that fight, that might be a wrap. It, you know, then you got Roger Bowling on that card. You got a, a solid, solid card from start to finish.
1: Yeah, plus, uh, that happened in this fight, uh, I believe, uh, who he 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 fought on last card, 145. Um, de- um, uh, I can't think of the dude's name. Uh, he knocked out Antonio Canzala. Oh.
0: Oh um, wait a minute! I, I, well, know I, can't, you, think I mean. can't, I can't, I know who you're talking about, and I can't put his name, put his name together.
1: Shit! Uh, wow, it's Tim I'm talking. I can't think of his name, but yeah, <laughs> he, he replaced uh, uh Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins. He replaced uh uh uh, uh Clay Guida.
0: Ah, um, he did. All right.
1: So he's fighting Chad there. He's fighting Chad now. But that that should be a really, really, really good card. Um. I'm, I don't see
0: how, how that car can be back. I, you know I really want to see um, Jorge Masvidal fight because for some reason I not not to say that he's that it's exciting to watch him fight, but he always comes out there with that with that with that Diaz brother swag to him where he just really just doesn't give a shit when he goes out there to fight. Yeah, Jorge Masvidal
1: is fun to watch. Um, I mean. Uh... I mean, hey, he he even gave give him Melendez a, a decent fight. I mean, he he's a really good fighter.
0: And I, I I also like that um Francis Carmont Lorenz Larkin fight. Carmont very athletic, you know, taking on Lorenz Larkin. I think that's that's gonna be a a, a dark horse fight, like a fight that you know can can sneak up and, and possibly get a fight of the night.
1: Yeah, I mean Lorenz Larkin is incredibly fun to watch just because he'll throw just about anything, and you got Francis Carmoux, come on who's a you know a big one eighty five, I don't know. That that should be a really fun
0: fight to watch. What do you think? What do you think with Dan Hardy? You think if he loses, he'll get cut? Because I don't know, man. They got this undying Um, loyalty. I
1: doubt it. I mean, he lost like five in a row. They didn't cut him. Dude, they
0: have an undying (laughs) loyalty to Dan Hardy. I don't know what it is. Not to say that you know he he's not a solid fighter to watch, but it's just like it kind of paints a poor picture when some of these dudes get cut. You're like, yo, this dude's lost like nine times. What are you doing?
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, like, like, like we just both said. I mean, I I don't know what it is why they have this undying loyalty for Dan Hardy, but I doubt if he loses,
0: he'll be good. So they um, I read on MMA Junkie that they put together the Bellator 95 card going down April 4th, and I figured you're gonna you're gonna be super hyped for this. Rick Horn, mm-hmm. Carl Parisian.
1: <laughs> uh, that's gonna end really badly for Carl Paris. Um, <laughs> really what Carl Parisian still fights?
0: That's what I'm saying, wow. dude. I read that and I'm like, is that right? Holy shit.
1: <laughs> that's gonna end poorly for Carl Parisian. Wow. Um
2: Wow
0: <laughs> Of okay. all the of all the dudes uh, that I'd expect in that in that to fight for Bellatoire, I was like really not not to take anything away from carl parisian but i'm like that's a name i haven't heard in ages
1: yeah uh he went uh uh he he had a mental breakdown <laughs> oh yeah of, i remember when that. he was in the ufc and then i hadn't heard from that dude in a long long
2: time <laughs>
0: Well he's he you know, that's on the main card on Spike, and then Pat Curran is fighting um Shabulat Shamalaya for the featherweight belt, which is which that's I know a is gonna fight. be a, a war. Yeah, that should be that
1: should be a good
0: fight. So this next bit of news I think the UFC should cut us a check because <laughs> Dana White said that the coaches for the next ultimate fight will be Ronda Rousey and the winner of Tate uh Kat Zingano. Not only that, but Men and women will be in the house. 135 pound men, 135 pound women. How many episodes did we talk about this shit? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I kind of wish they had been strictly women, just because I don't... <laughs>
0: they want that real world the shit fighters, so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, MMA fighters aren't... Not all of them, but some of them aren't the most well social, yeah, so socially acceptable people. Yep. And you're putting them with other, with females in a house. I I, I, I hope, I hope nothing stupid happens. Like, I, I, I just,
0: huh? I have a feeling that a chick is gonna snuff a dude on television. <laughs> I'm telling yeah, you right now. Yeah, a chick, a, chick a, a dude's gonna. A dude. Yep.
1: Just some sort of sex thing that happens. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want any of that nonsense. Like, especially because you having these people live in this house with each other. And, dude, no. Like it's just when I heard they were both men and women, I was like, uh, I hope, I hope nothing
0: bad
2: happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> dude, That's I, I know. I, take. I know a dude is gonna say something stupid, and a chick's gonna punch a dude in the face, and he's gonna spaz out, and you know he's gonna they're gonna be like, oh chill, chill, you know, and he's gonna be like, oh man, if you weren't a woman, I'd fuck you up, you know. And, that's the kind of shit that's gonna happen, I'm telling you.
1: Yeah, I can already see that as being one of the first things that happen.
0: <laughs> but I can tell you that if it's Rousey and Misha Tate coaching, oh the beef is gonna be ridiculous. We may we may get some uh you know, some Tito Ken Shamrock level pull apart.
1: Possibly. Hey, plus Brian Caraway is going to be there. Uh, the yes.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the that's what I'm saying.
2: On.
0: That's what I'm saying. You know, Ronda Rousey go back. Didn't Didn't you want to punch me in the face? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, uh, it, should, it should.
1: You know, it should be. Um, it it should be the season. I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this turns out.
0: Well, the thing that gets me is that Dana White, he knew, he's like, all right. Putting Chael in there, uh, you know, got people tuned in. The the premise of the fight with him and Jones got people hyped. But, you know, Rousey is is, is from the Chael school of, of shit talking to a degree. So he's like, shit, how can I fight? To be honest, I, I understand from a strategy standpoint. It's like, how can I follow up this season with a just as good a season?
1: Yeah, Uh now, as long as the fighters are just as good. Um,
0: I think some of the dudes are going to be pissed that they got to take orders from a girl. That's another underlying story.
1: Uh, yeah, there's going to be so many weird, sexist things that go on in this <laughs> this uh, that season. This is going to be so much weirdness. Hopefully, the, hopefully it just doesn't overshadow. Uh, hopefully, a good show.
0: Well, the other the other thing I was saying too is, you know, she she runs with the Diaz brothers. We may see the Diaz brothers in there, just just clowning dudes on a regular.
1: Yeah, either them or just Caesar Gracie. I mean, so, so we'll see. I mean, we shall see. It should be a good season. I'm looking forward to to seeing who they get on this season.
0: Well, I wanted to talk about uh, these last three bits of news. Obviously, UFC on Fuel TV nine they finally settled on the main card. Um, that's going down April 6th in Stockholm, Alexander Gustafson, you know, the, the, the promised one <laughs> is, um, taking on Gagar Musasi. which I, th- I think if, if, if Musasi beats him, you know, Musasi's going to be like, what's up with that title shot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if Musasi wins, um, i doubt they to give him a title shot. They'll probably make a fight with Cheetahs. somebody. um, but uh it should be a good fight. Uh I, I think Dustin will probably win, but it should be a good fight.
0: Also on that main card, Ryan Couture taking on Ross Pearson, you know, Ryan Couture fighting host, you know, the Randy Couture fallout should be very interesting to see.
1: Yeah. Um it it should be. Um fighting Ross Pearson, um, who I think will probably end up beating them, but it, it should be it should be a good fight.
0: I actually am looking forward to seeing Mike Easton fight. I like watching that dude fight because he's just a he's another clay weed just a ball of energy all over the place. Taking on Brad Pickett. That fight's gonna be good. And um Diego Brandao, Pablo Garza probably can steal the show as well. And uh Ultimate Fighters, Michael Johnson is fighting on the prelims. Who yeah. Uh fighting? Uh Michael Johnson's taking on Reza Madati.
1: Oh yeah, he should win that fight. Um, it's it, it, Michael Johnson was on a nice winning streak up until I think I believe he lost his last fight, <clears throat> but he was on a nice winning streak up until that point. I mean, uh, that should be a good fight.
0: Well, we got to talk about some roster purges and some suspensions. Uh, Ricky Fakuda got released, tested positive for banned stimulants. According to a statement he released, he said that he failed the test because he took cold medication. And that he forgot to tell them before the test. What do you think?
1: Um, um. If that's the case, then you deserve to be cut because that's you not handling your business like an adult.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, the stuff like, that they, they that busy. they found in there, you know, when I saw it with like, um, you know, norpseudoephedrine and ephedrine, you know, that is stuff that from cold medicine. So I was like, eh, possible. But it's true. It's like, dude, really, you're not gonna tell them, yo, I had a cold and I took some medicine. In case I piss hot, knowing knowing what's going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I said. Like if 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 you knew that you had just taken cold medicine or something like that, you should have told them like yo, I took some Sudafed. I might piss hot for Sudafedron or something. Like it's it's just like this would have been a non-story if you had done. Now that's not why he got cut. He got cut because he lost, but. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, maybe he
0: wouldn't have got caught. Maybe he wouldn't have got cut. So, well, Alex Casares ate not only a suspension, but you know, he has to he has to attend rehab and pass a drug test. Plus, his win was changed to a no contest for weed. For weed, yep, was flagged for marijuana metabolites. Got suspended for six months. Has to attend drug rehabilitation classes and needs to pass a drug test.
1: Seems like a bit much. For weed. Um.
0: This weed. This weed situation, oh. man. But I think also it's because I think Japan. You know the um since Japan doesn't have a a regulating body over there, the UFC had to oversee the test. So you know the discipline, oh, yeah. the disciplinary actions coming from the from the head of the class. You know it was going to be tough, especially. Because This weed shit is getting out of hand, especially after you know Matthew Riddle going out there and just is going ham on all his interviews.
1: Yeah, um, that's probably that's probably why, but it's that still seems like a bit much, but um, hey, at least he took it, at least he took um full responsibility for it, so
0: yeah, he was he, he accepted it. What well, you know, what worries me though, Nick Diaz's post fight test. <laughs>
1: I have a feeling that if he tests positive, we might never hear about it. Ah. Like, I, I, just, I, just, I, I don't think that the UFC, he probably has it worked out somewhere. Work. Even if he gets suspended again by the commission, the UFC would already know that he, he, he has something in his system. Like, I, just, I just don't think we would ever hear about it.
0: Well, I can see that. The other guy that got cut this week, so. Lavar Johnson flagged for elevated testosterone.
1: Yeah, he probably could have. He probably could have got a t, uh, testosterone replacement thing he, if he had wanted one. So I don't even know why <laughs> he uh, went about that. Plus, he uh, he lost, so it just looks even worse.
0: Yeah, and you know what's funny? They were saying that you know an MMA junkie had reported it that. The testosterone in his system was consistent with the administration of a steroid. So it's like, hmm, huh, you know. And, and I feel I feel bad for Levar Johnson you know, because he, you know he had a, he had a, a crazy story, you know, going in to the sport, and after after all that, to just come this far and then it's just like getting clipped. For me, it was like, damn, you know.
1: Well, I mean, dude should have. If, you, if you're, if you think you need steroids or, I mean, he's an older dude. He's not, like, super young. He could have probably got a testosterone placement exemption um well, and basically cheated, sanctioned, what? Cheated under the sanctioned body, sanctioning body, excuse me. So, I, I don't know. It, it was stupid on his part.
0: Well, I, that that was the reason I brought that up also was because I wanted to ask, you know, Dana White feels that TRT should not be allowed and with that said I wanted to ask you about it what what do you think do you think TRT with older fighters is is a factor to be concerned about or do you feel that TRT is something that is okay for older guys but younger dudes should not be getting TRT exemptions
1: to me the only person in MMA who really probably should be allowed to take TRT is Dan Henderson. That's it. Like, none of the rest of these dudes are at the age where their testosterone should not be producing like it's supposed to. Right. Um, unless you've taken steroids. So That's the right. fact that you got, like, Todd Duffy with a testosterone replacement therapy exemption or Vitor Berfor who has tested positive for terrible before, like it's it's the fact that some of these fighters are taking it is just ridiculous like you don't you shouldn't need it
0: well looking at it that way also the TRT isn't isn't a really revolutionizing the revolutionizing these guys performances because some of these guys with TRT are still getting their ass whooped (laughs) True, you know so so that's that's a that's what I'm saying like it kind of falls in a gray area because it's true it's like like Alistair Overeem. Alistair Overeem is not in his 40s. You know, like you're not you're not in an age where your body's testosterone levels have gotten low. And then you know, he took that yeah. test and they were like, "Oh wow, his his levels were really low." And it's like, "All right, so what does that mean? He's going to need a TRT exemption now?" Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that's that like that right there just looking at that screams bullshit.
1: Screams
0: cycling off. Yep. That's what that's what that so, screams. I mean, you know, it screams bullshit because it's like it's like he's not he's not that old. It's like I'm thirty two and when I went for, for my last physical last year, you know, they they, they start testing for that. And you know what once you pass the age of thirty, doctors wanna poke and prod and shit, you know, just letting you <laughs> just letting you know in advance. Um yeah, like like the doctors will be like, oh, you know, we gotta you gotta start checking your prostate. I'm like, check this out, dude. You're not checking my prostate. You're not doing shit. I'm good. I'm good for now. I'm good. And he was like, well, you know, I I did say I'm like, you know, how do how does my testosterone look? Because you know, I've I've been I've been a gym rat for years, and you know, between creatine and fat burners and all that shit growing up, it's like you gotta check. He's like, nah, man, you're good. But but that's what I mean. And I'm 32. You know, I did powerlifting yeah, in high school. I it, it's like I, I, I lifted heavy. I, I, I stayed competitive just just for, for myself. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not training like these guys are training, but even still, it's like your body reaches a point where it's like, all right, we're, I'm going to start having low test levels. But that shouldn't happen when you're, you know, 28, 29, 30.
1: <laughs> no, it shouldn't, unless you've been abusing steroids. Yep. So, um, Hopefully they figure out something to do with this testosterone replacement uh, thing that's going on because it's it's unfortunate that it's even gotten to the point where so many of them are using it.
0: Well, the other the other thing I, I was wa- wanted to talk to you about was an article I read about a guy who you know got got kind of caught out there and so po- uh-huh. it's taken such a hit on his career that, that they were just talking about it's like a huge fall from grace and that's Stefan Bonner. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the article I read, man, it was just like, you know, nobody wants to deal with him from a business standpoint. He just, like, he, I don't know if it's like he's black, he's been blacklisted, but he's just, like, remember, uh, before, beforehand, you'd see those cool shirts he'd put out, like, the Garbage Pail Kid shirts yeah. and all that stuff. Dude, it's like, everything just went black. And you don't hear anything.
1: Um... It's unfortunate that that happened, but I have a really hard time believing that he didn't know he was on steroids or that he was unaware that he he had stated that he was on steroids. Just because even going into that fight, he looked really, really big, and he doesn't normally look that way. And so I have a really hard time believing that he was unaware of what was in his body. So... That being said, if he was aware of it, then his whole plan was to possibly use these steroids to be possibly the greatest fighter ever and go out on top. Well, neither one of those things worked, and you got caught with steroids. You kind of have to suffer the consequences now, and it's unfortunate that nobody wants to do business with you, but you put yourself in that situation.
0: Yep. I figured I I would ask you because it was weird the way it kind of fell out, and and you know what? With What you were saying about him, you know, saying that not being aware or whatever, you know, reminded me of the Overeem excuse. Remember when Overeem got popped and he's like, ah, you know, the doctors, he did all that. And and, he, and they had that quack doctor in there. Not to say that Stefan Bonner falls in that same category, but it's just weird how certain fighters get bagged. And, you know, they kind of just move on and they're still out there. And then other guys, it's just like, oh, you know, fuck you. Like, like in Bonner's case, look. I don't advocate that what he did was right because it wasn't. Because had he beaten Anderson Silva and, you know, you just pretty much tarnished that guy's legacy and you weren't you were clean yourself, it would have been a tragedy. But on the same note, a lot of these guys that are out there that have been repeat offenders, some of them legendary offenders of juicing and are still fighting, you know, they, they haven't been blackballed to that point. I also think that it was, I think Dana White... Partially responsible for that because he's just like, dude, you know, you fucked me, and I gave you this fight, and you look like, you know, you made me look like an asshole. So I don't know, but it's just weird how his fall of how his fall from grace was so fast and and so hard. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is was what you just said. Dana White is like, yo, I gave you this fight, and you came in on steroids and could have fucked up everything for us. Um. I mean, like I said, it's unfortunate and it's kind of it's it's sad and unfortunate that it's taken, it's it's gone like this. But I mean, he did something that put him in the situation that um, he's in right now. I mean, he can't really blame anyone but himself. I think the
2: grand scheme of things.
0: Yeah, well, it's crazy too because it's like you know he used to do really good commentary. Nothing, dude. They don't even they don't even I, I don't even think that poor guy's phone rings.
1: Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate, like I said, but you know,
0: he put himself here.
1: He he at this I I just have a really hard time believing he was unaware of what was in his body.
0: No, I agree with that, dude. You cannot be aware. You know, you can't you can't front and say, "Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know what was in there." You're lying. If if a doctor, yeah. if, if you go for a physical and a doctor comes in, like, "Hey Ben, you know, I got to give you this shot." You, what's the first question you say? What's in there? You
1: yeah, know, what is the <laughs> shot that I didn't ask for?
0: What is this shot? What is it? Oh, it's a flu shot. Uh, what's in there? Oh, just you know, antibiotic. Okay, then you know, like without without yeah, without can't. question.
1: Yeah. yeah it's just not you you can't just take what your if your doctor just gives you something, especially if you're a professional athlete and you know what could, that could mean if you accidentally take something you're not supposed to.
0: And the doctors it's aren't not, that it's stupid. Not Doctors are not that stupid, unless you know you're you're you getting those those unlicensed guys. But that's a separate issue all its own.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, basically,
0: that wraps up the the MMA for this week. Um, are you guys back to doing the shows, or are you still working the bugs out?
1: Uh, we're working on it. Uh, we uh we we've all recorded our first podcast work, but we haven't uh, we haven't put it anywhere yet. We're just working on uh, sound quality and everything. Awesome. So once we, once we get all that done, we'll we'll post it and get everybody up to
0: date on it. Sounds like a plan. As always, you can follow Ben on Twitter at blackout b l a q o u t eighty nine. Had to spell it out because somebody asked me if it was black b l a c k and I was like, uh, no.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: nah. <laughs> there you go. Anything blackout else you want to add? Uh No,
1: nah, Just uh follow uh follow me on Twitter and uh check out the um. The card breakdowns and fighter of the month
0: articles I post. Sounds good. All right, homie. I'll catch you. All right. Peace.
2: Peace.
0: All right, that was Ben. Follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. Make sure to check out his articles, his fighter Fighter of the month, and his card breakdowns on MyTakeRadio.com. And, of course, share your thoughts and your comments. I'm sure he would really appreciate it. Definitely always open to talking some MMA with the fans. Make sure to check out his stuff. So with MMA out of the way, we got a a very, very, I don't want to say uneventful week in wrestling because it was pretty eventful, but it, it definitely didn't set the week on fire. And I want to get into that a little bit. I got to play our uh, shitty blog talk radio wrestling intro for this week. So I, I apologize in advance for the terrible audio quality, which we will edit in post that's for sure anyway let's talk wrestling All right, so I want to start with Monday Night Raw. I want to, I actually am going to talk a little bit about TNA Impact this week as well, uh, primarily because, of course, we got WrestleMania right around the corner, and a lot of crazy things happened this week. Um, John Cena took on Chaco Cena, accompanied by Pancake Patterson, which was Titus O'Neil, and he had a wig and overalls on, and he was playing the role of... Rufus pancake Patterson and he's called pancake because he flattens people I have no idea no idea who thought that that would be remotely entertaining I don't even think John Cena himself knew what the fuck to do with that I sat there for for a good five minutes like is this really happening because it was so random obviously it was a setup for John Cena and Chaco Cena, but it was it was the most randomest thing I've ever seen. Coupled with Ryback taking on David Otunga right after, and here's a guy who's in a movie with Halle Berry that you're actively promoting and you just destroy him completely. Again, it's obvious that they were using it for, for the whole Ryback and WrestleMania match with The Shield, and that's fine, but it, it was just crazy because I would have thought that with David Otunga being in a movie with Halle Berry and the movie doing some some pretty decent numbers, that he would have got a match that would have given him the victory and not made him look like a complete bitch. I was shocked that it went that way, especially because, like I said, the the movie's doing well, and you pro- you would have wanted a guy who's in a in a movie with an with an Oscar winning actress to not look like a complete clown in his match but what can you do also i'm tired of fandango's gimmick already tired of it it's primarily because the first week the second week okay the third week it's just it's just not working the problem with gimmicks like this you know these these dancing gimmicks these comedy gimmicks it's just that if you don't forecast what you're gonna do after that gimmick has run its course, you're screwed. There's no better example of that than Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay's dancing Funkasaurus gimmick was cool for the first two weeks. After that, it's like, dude, just come down there with the girls and and and, and have your match and get the fuck off my television. And, and that's that's the problem with guys like that, that they don't they don't really map out their gimmick for I'd like to say for at least three months. I think that it's a lot of booking on the fly, which has been an issue with WWE programming multiple times this year. But you have a guy that he's debuting. You want to try and get him over, whether as a heel or as a face and, and doing the whole, you can't pronounce my name right thing. It's just, it's just not working. I, I think it reminds me of when Dolph Ziggler debuted and he walk around shaking people's hands. It's same shit. It's just, so random and so out of place especially when like i said you don't have anything in line for at minimum 3 to 6 months like if i were if if i were booking and again this is you know armchair booker if i were booking it i'd look at everyone on my roster that's in a feud or any guy who got called up and try and lay out what they're going to do for at minimum 3 months whether it's oh you're going to have a mini feud with this guy or you're going to get a squash match for the first two weeks to help you get over or the first three weeks to help you get over. Then we might move you into a feud with, I don't know, Tenzai. at least you, you have a blueprint of what you want to do. And you don't come up with these crazy segments that are just thrown in between three hours of programming that just, they just don't do anything for anybody involved. Anyway, our truth and Damian Sandow had a pretty decent match. I was actually, um, Pretty impressed with it. r truth, I think, is still a little—he's um, still a little rusty from the injuries that he's been dealing with. So, you know, passable match. Damian Sandow made him look good, and Sandow himself continues to evolve as a guy who's gonna definitely be the face of the company within the next two years. You can bank on that. The Undertaker, of course, gets his WrestleMania payday. Shows up, gets the whole long, long entrance. CM Punk trolls him as usual. Uh, drops the urn, says, oh shit, everybody's just stunned by the whole chain of events. A lot of people on Twitter were just like, you know, what the fuck happened? Me, I I, I, I like what they're doing because they're really just pushing Punk's lack of respect to a whole other level. But, you know, dropping the urn and, and using Paul Bearer as the catalyst for this feud is, is foolish. Honestly, the fact that you're using a guy who, whose body hasn't even hasn't even started to rot yet as a a focal point of a feud is, is absurd. When, when you did it the last week, it was okay. Now you're just dragging it on and it looks foolish. The best basis for this feud is the streak versus the best in the world. That alone writes itself for you to rely on an, on a prop and, and, and on the memory of a man who served your company and died recently is just I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Paul Bearer would would is totally happy to be to be part of this feud in this capacity. But it, to the to the untrained eye, it's just like, wow, you're really just using a dead guy as a prop. That's how I see it. We got ourselves a non-title match with the Goya brothers and Team Hell No, which was for all intents and purposes a squash match. This is all being set up to have Ziggler and Big E take on. Kane and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania they tried to uh, reestablish the whole AJ relationship with Kane and Daniel Bryan people just don't give a shit about it at this point and I can't blame them but for for all the uh, fuckery that we kind of saw in this match it was all redeemed by Chris Jericho just decimating Fandango in a promo backstage which I would have loved to have played for you guys If the soundboard would have been working so unfortunately I can't but I did share it on our Facebook fan page so you guys can check the video out there it was actually pretty cool non-title match Del Rio took on Cody Rhodes which of course was a little bit of angle advancement as I knew that team Murica, we the people would get involved which they did Um Overall, a solid match. Del Rio looked really good in there with Cody. I think Del Rio starting to hit his stride as a face, and the crowd is really starting to get into it. You're getting the C chants and, and all the stuff. People are really down, which is cool. But the whole Swagger feud, I just feel that it hasn't picked up the way that WWE would like. I don't know if it's because people just aren't into Swagger's character or or if del Rio isn't doing enough to to take the feud to the next level, I think in my opinion Zeb Coulter's work with Jack Swagger is phenomenal. I, I just feel that the feud itself just it doesn't have that extra that extra oomph behind it you know that extra push to, to bring it over the top. I don't know what's missing, but they gotta do something because they don't got that much time left. We got a brand new inductee into the Hall of Fame, and that is Mr. Booker T himself, whose clip would have been perfect for this, but clearly things just don't want to work. But yes, Booker T goes into the Hall of Fame, and um, I really hope that Stevie Ray does his induction or Stevie Ray's involved, just because I haven't seen Stevie Ray in a few years, and that would be pretty cool to do. And honestly, I don't know who else could... Induct Booker T. Other than Stevie Ray, maybe Goldust. Um, just because Goldust definitely is a guy who who had a really good run with Booker T. It's maybe Teddy Long. Teddy Long could do it, but it, it's nice to see. I think Booker T. Six time champion, you know, six time world champion. The um, the guy he's, he's done his thing. I I think it's a it's a little premature. Maybe another year would have been fine. And honestly, I would have put. Harlem heat in there and done a one with Booker T separate as well, just because Harlem heat were a legendary tag team as well. But you take what you can get. I'm thinking they may probably announce one more person for the hall of fame. If they don't, um, I, I don't want to say I'm let down by the nominees going in, but the only guy of, you know, Bruno Bruno is definitely the high the high point of that induction. But, you know Booker T maybe maybe one other year would have been would have been fine. Randy Orton and Sheamus sacrificed three MB to their uh, tag team gods and pretty much just destroyed and decimated them. You know the Shield comes out does their usual stuff and the Big Show involves himself clearly setting up Big Show, Sheamus and Orton to take on the Shield at Mania and Ryback most likely will be meeting Mark Henry. Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler had a very competitive match. Um, Dolph Ziggler gets the win, which I don't know who Kofi Kingston pissed off, but he's kind of been getting thrown under the bus lately. I've been hearing rumors that they want to turn Kofi Kingston heel. I can honestly say that I don't know if that would work. If anything, maybe give him a little bit of that badass attitude he had when he was feuding with Randy Orton. I think that would work a little better. Plus, the crowd was into it. Kofi Kingston turning heel just wouldn't work unless you gave him a good mouthpiece if you gave him a good mouthpiece to kind of bring it full circle I think that would work but just turning Kofi heel on his own I don't think I don't think it'll work as for the match of the night that was wade Barrett the Miz and Chris jericho a very 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 entertaining triple threat match i was I was impressed with it from start to finish I thought that these guys had tremendous chemistry and I think the Miz and Chris Jericho definitely would work well together in you know, just in a tag team or something like that, because I think that the Miz can learn a lot from Chris Jericho. I think, you know, the whole Jericho light gimmick that he had with the suit and, you know, clowning people and speaking real slow. Honestly, I think you can cultivate that a little bit more with Chris Jericho on the contrary. Instead of making Ric Flair the Miz's mentor, I would have gone with Chris Jericho. I think there was there's something there with those guys. There's uh, just a cohesiveness that works well. And honestly, I think in Jericho's case, he wants to help these younger guys. And if anybody needs the help, it's the Miz. So to close things out, we had the obligatory contract signing, which of course ended with Paul Heyman getting his ass whooped. And the match being the match stipulation for WrestleMania being no holds barred, but triple H's career is on the line. So we're going to find out if triple H is going to do the job and retire from active competition, or if he's going to get his win back at WrestleMania. So a very paint by numbers, raw. it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I'd I'd say it was a five at best. I mean, you know, Quark, in his buried column, definitely acknowledged a lot of really, really shitty goings on, uh, going on in ah, wow, that was a terrible miscue there. All the terrible goings on from Monday's raw. But like I said, it, it wasn't terrible, but I just feel that with the roads of WrestleMania kind of coming to a close, you want to make every episode of raw SmackDown main event, all your programming. You just want to make it top notch to make sure that people are engaged and are looking forward to spending that money uh, come WrestleMania. But I don't know. Maybe maybe next week will be better. But this week, fair at best. May, I'd even like to say mediocre for Raw this week. Now, on the Impact side of things, we were obviously coming into Impact with Bully Ray as your champion. Head of Aces and Eights. Something that we saw... Months ago, which I which I've said on air was was Bully Ray's, uh, aces aces and eights involvement. It's okay. I think that there's too many guys in there that just don't help get the faction over. Like D'Lo, um, definitely he's a guy I just feel is a completely out of place. Um, Devon Bully Ray, all right. Uh, Garrett, okay. Wes Briscoe, Doc. Eh, you know you could put him in a tag team with Knox. That'll work, but. Mr. Anderson and D just look so out of place in that faction. So out of place. Anyway, TNA had some, some, some good wrestling. Austin Aries, Bobby rude took on Chavo and Hernandez to get things started. It was a solid match. Aries and rude, of course, uh, get the win with interference from Kazarian and Daniels. Definitely a solid match. Aries and rude continue to deliver great wrestling. Um, I kind of felt the crowd wasn't feeling Chavo and Hernandez. I don't know why. Um, But I think Kaz and Daniels and Rude and Aries could put on some tremendous matches. Now, there was a thing last week on Twitter talking about that the X Division was going to get some new changes. Some new rules and some stuff that would kind of uh, spice up the division a bit. And I don't know how I feel about it, but it seems that from now on... All X-Division matches will be three-way matches. Not only that, but from now on, there will be a 235-pound weight limit. So, there you have it. Um, Kenny King cut a little promo with a terrible five-hour energy product placement that just ruined uh, a passable promo from Kenny King. Anyway, X-Division Championship match had Kenny King, Zima Ion, and Sanjay Dutt who is always... He's always fun to watch. And I'm actually glad to see him back on impact because Sanjay Dud is incredibly athletic and he's really good in the ring. Kenny King, he retained the belt. I I really thought that it was too soon to take the belt off of him anyway. And giving the belt to Ion, eh, I'd rather Kenny King keep the belt. I think he can establish the belt better. And it's necessary for his character, in my opinion. As for Sanjay... Hopefully, we'll see him on TV more often. I think I think Sanjay Dutt has a lot to offer the X division and is a tremendous, tremendous competitor. Meanwhile, of course, Angle advancement. Taryn Terrell got fired. Um, you know, pretty much uh, she gets fired as a referee, but to, uh, sent to an active knockout wrestler. So there you have it. We don't. We no longer have a female referee. She is now a member of the knockout roster. Now, I don't know if that means we're going to get another female referee, but I honestly think that that was a different approach from TNA that I felt worked. I think that having a female referee for the women's matches was was a nice change of pace. And to to do away with that, obviously, for the sake of angle advancement, it's all right, I guess. I mean, not, to, not that Taryn Terrell's the best wrestler, but I do think that keeping a female referee would have been very cool, and hopefully they continue to do that, even if they're going to do it As a way to bring in new female talent. Female referees for knockout matches was was a nice change of pace in my book. And helped TNA differentiate itself from the WWE product a lot more. This Matt Morgan-Joseph Park match was just... This was my I'm-gonna-go-to-the-bathroom match. It really was. It was terrible. Um, AJ Styles coming out looking disheveled. Um, This is leading up to his heel turn, which is alright, I guess... But, um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it at this point. He comes in looking like a homeless guy. Uh, took a shot at James Storm last week. Eh. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Hopefully they don't go and say, oh, AJ Styles is a member of Aces and Eights, because that's just getting silly. Number one contenders match had Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, and Magnus, which was a surprisingly good match. I really was impressed with Magnus. Um. He's showing that he belongs in the upper card, which is surprising that he's that he's gotten this push as of late because he's a guy who kind of fell by the wayside after his feud with Samoa Joe, and now it's um it's nice to see him up there. I think he has tremendous potential. Jeff Hardy wins uh, going into his match now against Bully Ray. It, it was a solid main event. TNA Impact was was I'd like to say was uh, was better to some degree than Raw. Which is, which is crazy. I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to be like, ah, oh, Rich is out of his mind. But I do think it was it was definitely a better product wrestling-wise. Certain matches, eh. But the, the the caliber and the quality of wrestling was definitely better from Impact this week. Anyway, let's talk just uh, some of the other wrestling news for this week. A um, couple of things. I want to talk about Bully Ray. He actually got into some trouble this week. Um... Dixie Carter and hi- and himself both had to issue apologies for using several slurs at an Impact taping in Chicago, which, um, based on the transcripts I've seen, if they're true, uh, Bully Ray... See, the problem is that Bully Ray, if you've watched ECW or if you've um, been to the Elks Lodge or any ECW house shows, Bully Ray was a guy that would go out there and he would... Practically incite riots with the promos he cut and the things he said to the fans. That was that was what he was known for. And while I'm sure it was it was in character, I think to go into into slur territory is uh it's a slippery slope because it's something that can come and bite you in the ass. And I think Dixie Carter is upset. Has to be upset because the guy is your champion. He's a representative of your company. And he's using slurs you know gay slurs with um a fan it, it it was just poor taste across the board and you know it's it's not it's not going to reflect well on the company if they don't take a more proactive stance i mean the releasing the apologies was great, but i think t n a needs to do something a little bit more than that because we are we are in a day and age where where hate speech and and slurs of any type, whether they're racial or about sexual orientation, especially when it involves media, if if handled incorrectly can really, 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 really affect your brand. That's one thing. I mean, you know, we joke around and I say a lot of terrible things on air, but I'm always um, apprehensive about going into that territory because racial humor is funny. Don't get me wrong. Racial humor. Uh sexual orientation humor it's funny but it's like it's like salt you got to kind of sprinkle it in sparingly because it's something that if if handled or done incorrectly can really just have a negative effect on your brand so i'm hoping tna does more than just the uh the twitter apology because like i said this this can snowball into something bigger especially with bully ray being champion the other thing i wanted to talk about this week Was Triple H actually being in the news, especially because he's been doing so much work behind the scenes, Um, Wrestling Observer and WrestleZone are reporting that he is doing away with word for word scripting for wrestlers, especially developmental talents. What he wants them to do is work with bullet points. Now, the reason for this is that it's going to allow the talent to learn how to speak as their character and rely on their creative ability as opposed to reading somebody else's lines that were written for them. I think this is a tremendous step in the right direction because it's very, very apparent when guys are reading off a rehearsed script. There's no better shining example of that than John Cena. When John Cena is reading from a script that somebody writes for him, it's it's so apparent versus you know going with the bullet points. I think that it's something that Really Should have been done a long time ago going with bullet points and letting these guys just establish their own style their own promo delivery is something that's very important and I'm glad to see it happening for as much shit as I give Triple H for some of the stuff he's done over the years wrestling wise. I think this is one of the many great things that he's doing to make the product better. It's a kind of a return to old school roots. A lot of the guys that were Fan favorites during the old school era of wrestling relied more so on bullet points because that's what made those guys stand out from some of the other guys on the roster. And to see that making a comeback, in my opinion, is a step in the right direction. All right, so that actually is going to wrap up wrestling for this week. I want to get into this week's game segment because there's a couple of things I want to discuss. I know that Slick has some stuff he wants to share with us, and I also really want to get into the mpd numbers for the month of february so without further ado let's talk wrestling Oh, man <laughs> thank you slick that was uh that that was the intro for the gaming segment i did say that we were going to talk wrestling ah nice little brain fart on my part so uh thank you slick for correcting me on that but yes we are actually going to be talking gaming wrestling is in the books anyway so before we get into the news for this week i did want to talk a little bit about injustice and um I've been watching the development of this game closely, obviously, NetherRealm Studios, known for Mortal Kombat, is taking a crack at creating a DC fighting game, and a lot of video that I've seen has made the gameplay look rather robotic, but the newer videos that I'm seeing are looking more and more fluid, so I'm a huge fighting game fan, for those of you that know me off air, and for those of you that don't, I'm, I'm a Big fan of the fighting game genre, and from Street Fighter to Mortal Kombat to Guilty Gear, I've played them and I own most of them. But um when it comes to Mortal Kombat, it's always been hit and miss just because some games are really good and they have certain facets I don't like. But Nether Realm, they did a great job with the last Mortal Kombat, and I'm hoping that they step their game up with Injustice because they're using so many great characters and I think that certain aspects of the combat are a little out of place like picking up jumping up in the air grabbing a car and throwing it at somebody it it would work if you're using Superman but if you're using I don't know Batman or or Lex Luthor or even like the Flash it doesn't it doesn't look as good but I will say that they're doing a great job not only with the roster but also with some of the bonuses that they're including obviously the main cast has been discussed at length and that's batman cyborg harley quinn nightwing deathstroke solomon grundy superman lex luthor the flash wonder woman green lantern and aquaman also added was bane catwoman shazam the joker doomsday and just recently it was announced that the cw version of green arrow voiced by Stephen Amell will be added into the game. So that's going to be pretty cool. And I also found out earlier today that Raven from Teen Titans is also being added. But the best character that I'm really, really looking forward to playing as is Black Adam. Black Adam is a is an enemy of Shazam who is... Um, he actually wasn't a character that I liked initially, but I'd say over the last couple of years he's been written really 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 well and i just took a liking to the character from his motivations to some of the stuff he did in some of his more recent appearances to just the the departure from being your your stereotypical uh twisted reflection of of a hero and when i say twisted reflection i i want to look at like you look at bat you look at batman his his counterpart is the Joker. Batman stands for order, justice. The Joker stands for chaos, madness. Same thing when you look at Superman and Lex Luthor. You have Superman who is selfless, um, the epitome of a hero. Meanwhile, you have Lex Luthor. He's vain. He's greedy. Uh, he's self-centered. The, the antithesis of Superman from from bottom to top now when you look at someone like Shazam you look at some of his villains and most of them don't stand out but Black Adam stands out because he's a guy who not only does he have an extreme hatred for Shazam but there's been instances where he's tried to do the right thing and it just it just hasn't worked in his favor so he's he's a very well-written character especially over the last few years and I'm so glad to see him in a game because I think he's, he's a character that you can have a lot of fun with Shazam. He was in the, in the last DC fighting game and he's all right. I mean, he's big red cheese. Um, he, he Shazam is a guy who I've always felt will always be in Superman shadow only because you know, Superman's a household name. I like Shazam when he's written with the way, when he's been written the way he's been written for the last, I'd like to say three or four years. He's been written a lot better than he was when I was younger. When I was younger, I really thought that he sucked, uh, much like Aquaman. I think um, both both characters have turned the corner, and they're doing a really, really great job. Also, Nether Realm Studios is releasing some really cool skins. Uh, Superman Red Sun skins are being released as DLC for the game. I'm also hearing some other characters are going to be added as well. I'm looking forward just to playing as, as Nightwing and... Cyborg with your characters that I've, I haven't seen in a uh, fighting game before uh, same thing with um, I you know the gameplay with Aquaman I want to see how he works and playing as Doomsday as well is is something I'm really looking forward to but overall I think NetherRealm Studios if they can tighten up the controls and not make them look so robotic as I've seen in previous videos they may have a solid solid title on their hands but we're not going to know until April 19th when it's released for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 and the Wii U. Um actually let me correct that. It's April 16th a release here in North America and April 19th in Europe. So, definitely looking forward to that and as usual you can look for, uh, you can look out for a review of that game on mytakeradio.com when it comes out. Anyway, let me see if Slick is ready to uh break down some of these MPD numbers. If he is, we'll be ready to rock and roll. But I will say that the MPD numbers for this for February were surprising just because of the game that took the number one slot. So let me see if I can bring Slick on and we can discuss that and some of the other things as well. Slick, are you there? What's up, man? What's going on? I wanted to bring you on for these... uh, to talk about these MPD numbers because February is a very sketchy month when it comes to games because, you know, you're getting kind of right out of of the holiday doldrums, so to speak. You've probably exhausted all your gift cards by now. And most times February is kind of quiet, but we had a a very good February and a very solid March with regards to releases. So I want to just go over the titles. I'm going to start from the bottom. Uh, In the number 10 spot, Madden NFL 13, still top 10 game. Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, which I know you wanted to check out, is number 9. Far Cry 3 was number 8. Just Dance 4 was number 7. Aliens Colonial Marines was number 6. Metal Gear Rising Revengeance was number 5. NBA 2K13 was number 4. Crisis 3 was aptly number 3 black ops two drops to the number two spot and the number one selling game for February was dead space three weird, right?
3: Yeah. I was going to, um, I was going to ask was the spot for alien colonial Marines taking into account The number of people who probably tried to return that game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is very true, but you know, what's crazy that, a lot of new titles came in, you know, crisis three metal gear and aliens and Sly Cooper. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of titles dropped off and a lot of titles made their debuts. I, I'm shocked that metal gear rising. It was in the number five spot. Honestly, I would have thought it would have placed a lot higher just because there was so much anticipation for that game. But I guess, I guess people weren't digging it.
3: Who you knows? I mean, It might do better in March or it might not. I mean, I don't know too many people that are playing it, but we all know Metal Gear has a very large following.
0: It definitely does. Well, the other thing was also in February, Fire Emblem Awakening came out, and it didn't crack the list. It um, sold 180,000 units. But here's the crazy thing. 63,000 of of those sales came from the eShop, so obviously, people are definitely gravitating toward towards buying their games from the Nintendo eShop, which I guess is a step in the right direction. I just think that you know, it's it's not it's not the kind of numbers that I would expect Nintendo would be happy with.
3: I really hope that the um, download numbers for major titles like I'm fine with like. You know, the the little games and stuff like PSN, Xbox, blah, stuff like that. But I really don't want to see an upsurge in, you know, um, titles that are sold in stores by discs going up and download because you know how these companies are looking to go full digital with, with stuff. And I don't know, I mean, not even the fact that our country's internet isn't where it needs to be for that. It's just, you know, I'm one of those people who prefers to have a physical copy, and the more people download, the more it's going to say to these companies that, yeah, we can go full digital, and people are still going to buy our stuff, which ultimately, if they do it, people will buy it, because it'll be the only way to get the damn game, but it'll just be a shame. It'll be like, you know, the people that still love records and, and tapes that you know, hate the fact that they got to get CDs now. Even people that love CDs hate the fact that
0: they got to go to iTunes now. Well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because here, these are, and this is some interesting numbers that I wanted to discuss. Um, Total sales of physical media were $810 million. That's a decrease of 25% from last year. So, that definitely adds fuel to the fire of what you were talking about. Here's the other thing, though. The MPD starting to look at numbers for used games and rental sales, which were at $90 million. Meanwhile, digital transactions made up $319 million. So the total sales include used games, rental sales, and digital transactions. So there's definitely increases, not only... From the digital standpoint, but but from use from used games as well. But that can also be attributed to the current state of the economy.
3: You know what I find odd though? And I mean both I do and I don't. From a greed standpoint, I fully understand it. But maybe not the game company so much, but definitely let's say Microsoft, Nintendo and or maybe not so much in Nintendo, Microsoft and Sony are pushing towards going full digital distribution. You would think the disc-based titles that are available on Xbox Live and on PSN for download would be a couple of bucks cheaper.
0: This is true. Because you're not spending money on physical media.
3: Exactly. I mean it's not it's not making up the, the majority of the cost of making a game, obviously, but you know, printing discs and writing to discs, that costs money. Right. But if I wanna buy Dead Space Three it, in a store it's sixty bucks. And if I wanna buy it online it's sixty bucks that doesn't make any sense.
0: No, I, I agree. I think that's the toughest part. It's if you're pushing digital media to eliminate overhead costs for, you know, printing of instruction manuals, uh, game cases, uh, shipping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then that should eliminate, for all intents and purposes, the pri- it should eliminate some of those prices in the game. So if, if the $60 is made up of, I don't know, uh, $45 for the game itself. For the disc and I don't know, five bucks for the manual, you know, printing the manual and the other ten dollars for the case and cover art that has to be paid for. Again, hypotheticals, you know, why can't you sell the digital version for forty five dollars, even fifty? Because you are saving. Shipment to the store printing of a manual. And retail packaging. I agree 100%. Why? What, what incentive is there for me to buy the game without leaving my house other than buying the game without leaving my house?
3: I don't know. And that's why I said I understand it from the greed standpoint, but I don't understand it from the sensibility of trying to get people to accept digital distribution.
0: This is very true. I will say this, though. The co- go ahead. Go
3: ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, taking, when you, when you so, were talking earlier about uh, Lego City, I'm hearing that people are having problems with the game, but the people who downloaded it versus the people who bought the, the actual
0: game. Really?
3: Like, I'm hearing it's not, it's not working properly. And of course, you know people like myself who bought the disc. We have um, more classic problems. Basically, the Wii U takes forever to load every damn thing, and the controller has the um, the controller would be the the equivalent of the two of a two-minute brother in the controller world. Ugh. And I'm hearing that Nyko made a battery for it that lasts about ten hours because really the controller will give you roughly about three hours of gameplay, which is insane.
0: Yeah, that is Especially that's fucking stupid. A
3: game like Lego on the cover which is like it's like a cross between Grand Theft Auto with some elements from Batman and a few other games. But how are you going to play a game like that? When you have a controller that's gonna crap out on you, especially since it's another one of those games where you can't just stop whatever you want and save.
0: That makes absolutely no it's sense.
3: There's auto, auto saving all throughout the game, but you can't just stop and save. And if that gamepad dies, it's like your game stops. Like it, it stops dead. It, it does pause, of course, but. Unless you have like a, a Wii, a Wii remote, or something hanging around, you're pretty much fucked until you get that controller charged or plugged into
0: something. Well, here's here's the crazy thing with that: the the Wii U um, actually saw a forty percent increase in sales this month, and it's funny that we're we're talking about you know the battery life and some of these things because these are small nuances that are actually really really out there especially the battery life like nobody talked about the battery life of the of the tablet remote initially it wasn't until the console stopped being purchased at, at the level that it was when it was released that people started it started really being vocal about all these flaws and and my concern with that is that word of mouth is extremely vital Nowadays. And that and, and you telling me that, it's like, damn, you know, I'm gonna buy this system and I got three hours of battery life on this tablet controller. So, you know, if, if I'm trying to get uh, a a couple of hours of gameplay and I gotta worry about the battery dying, like these are things that they should have accounted for, especially since they're trying to push the system for the quote unquote, you know, excuse me, for the quote unquote hardcore gamers as well. Hardcore gamers aren't playing an hour. Or two. They're playing three, four, sometimes five hours of gameplay. Calling all nighters. Yep, or all nighters, depending on the games.
3: Because, I mean, I'm telling you, obviously, a game branded Lego is going to appeal to children. Yep. But Lego City Undercover is good for any age level. Because a lot of the jokes. Even though none of them are like raunchy or anything, a lot of the jokes are only going to be understood by people our age. Right. It's like, I just played a level on that game and there's references to Shawshank Redemption. This one dude was, was questioning his character named Blue, who's basically Morgan Freeman. And basically, you know, a voice actor that sounds like it. And the joke was like, he kept asking his guy if he played this movie at Apple G that were all Morgan Freeman. He's like, Leave me alone, I don't want to get sued. And mm-hmm. it's like you can't play that game without the, the tablet. Now that I think about it, are we even most likely gonna, gonna help? Because part of the controls are literally put you know, holding up the tablet and looking at the screen. Oh, there you go. It's like if the tablet is your, is your
0: scanner. But these are the things I'm saying, you
3: can't play the damn game.
0: But these are the things I'm saying, like all these little nuances are coming out of, uh, you know, are coming out now. And like I said, you're going to tell, you're telling me that. And if somebody tells me, hey, you know, I want to get a Wii U. It's like, yeah, buy the Wii U. Just remember to buy an extra battery for your tablet. Oh, why? Well, you might get like three hours out of it. Ah, oh, that's kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, we live in an era where people go and they read Amazon reviews, Yelp reviews, you know, reviews from their peers, et cetera, et cetera. And to see things like that, it's not doing the console any favors.
3: And to, to really give players a slap in the face to really Nintendo to say a slap in the face, like, I haven't opened mine up yet, because... The battery is not easy to find in stores. Okay? I'm probably going to want to be able to order it. The company, Nyko, is the one that are making the more powerful battery. And here's the, the killer. If you open up the back of the, the, um, the Wii U gamepad, the battery that they put in there only takes up about a third of the, the space that's in there. Which basically says we probably will make another one later on that has a more powerful battery in it. Of or course. We'll start selling a more powerful battery to you. Right. We just put this bullshit battery in because Because fuck you.
0: <laughs> this is true.
3: And the Nyko battery fills up the space.
0: Oh well, there you go. But that's what I'm saying. It's just it's just so weird. Some of the things that are happening with this console and, you know, something that we were talking about off air yesterday. It's like people people kind of feel that this may be the first time that they've kind of not put out a dud, but not put out a console that that set the, the con, you know, the the hardware on fire. Because remember when the Wii first came out, it was it was sold out everywhere and it, the trickle effect and, and the slowdown didn't happen for, for a, a whole other year after the system's release.
3: I don't know. I want to go on and say that the Wii U console itself is awesome. And it's not even that bad games are coming out for because really they're not. Right. It's just that they promised more games for the launch window, and guess what? The launch window is pretty much closed already. Yep. we have about to in April, and that's what?
0: Well, well, the system came out in November.
3: Almost five months after the launch.
0: Yep. Five months. That's what the I'm saying. The
3: launch window is pretty much closed, and they're, they're saying that there was supposed to be, I think, 53 games in the launch window. We There are not that many games out for the Wii U. No, sir. And Even if you take out the ones that are available for other consoles, a lot of these games are are either decent or very good. Right. Lego City Undercover is an excellent game. And if they, aside from, you know, aside from the actual mascot games, can get, like, a good five of these games out from third-party developers a year that are, like, Nintendo exclusives, the console will be fine because the, the hardware is, is great as long as an update fixes the problem with the slow-ass load time. And the, the controller, I love the controller, even though it's you know gigantic. It's just seeing what can be done with the controller just really makes the console worth, worth it to me. And it makes things a lot of fun. Plus, I mean, it's cool the fact that, you know, you're playing on your TV and you're, you know sort of also playing on the controller at the same time. You also get a little cool surround sound effects from the controller. These are little touches that really make the console shine. But It's just all this little bullshit that's just getting in the way of making the console really stand out. I mean, it's not going to stand out compared to, say, the PS4, whatever the hell Microsoft has coming out. But, again, if you have games like Label City on the cover that are exclusive to the console, that are very good, made by third-party developers, it won't even matter because, as we've said many times, it's not graphics that make the, the, the game. It's the game itself, the gameplay that makes the game.
0: I agree. I stand by that statement 100%. I think it, it's <laughs> it's just a problem to me where... The amount of fanfare that the Wii had is nowhere near the fanfare that the Wii U has, which is unfortunate because, you know, Nintendo, again, tried something different, tried something risky, tried something innovative, and they're not reaping the rewards that they were reaping with the Wii initially.
3: The reason why the Wii U is not selling as well as the Wii is because. Everybody literally, and their mama, because my mother has one, got the Wii. Yep. And <laughs> as I, I've said many times, the Wii itself, the console, is an excellent console. The problem was Nintendo, I don't know why, but like, they need to fire, fire their entire quality insurance department because they let all these bullshit games come out. Shovelware. It's like a thousand games that could have literally been put on one disc. Chicken shoot. A thousand bullshit games.
0: Chicken shoot.
3: <laughs> yeah. It could have called it a thousand bullshit games. So it was 1999 for it to say here.
0: Oh, like play and watch. It? Remember play and watch back exactly. in the
3: day? Yep. Or the... the um, ever-popular bootleg NES cartridge that had, like, 50 games on it.
0: That's correct. I remember that. Well, the other...
3: That was the problem. It's like they had all this bullshit, and people got tired of it, and they're scared that that's going to happen again.
0: This is very true. Well, while we're on the subject of of people dealing with gaming bullshit, I did want to talk about SimCity, which you purchased, and you were... Of course, dealing with some of the bullshit Um, SimCity actually sold 1.1 million copies in two weeks. Out of that 1.1, hold on out of that 1.1 million, 54% were downloads and 44% of the sales came directly through Origin. But because of the of the people that got the that were dealing with some of those problems, EA announced that people can get a free game through Origin for their trouble. Um, If you register the game before March 25th, you will be able to get either Battlefield 3, Bejeweled 3, Dead Space 3, Mass Effect, Medal of Honor, Warfighter, Need for Speed, Most Wanted, Plants vs. Zombies, and SimCity 4 Deluxe Edition. The offer ends March 30th. Now, with that said, you picked up SimCity. Um, I'm not a big PC gamer, so... Kind of school me on what went down with SimCity and what were some of the problems you were experiencing?
3: First of all, I want to shove EA, EA collectively up its own ass,
0: because
3: <laughs> fuck you, EA. I, I buy a game so that I can play a game as long as, as, long as my computer will allow me to play it. And that's not going to fucking happen with SimCity because, first of all, to anybody who's thinking of getting it, doesn't have it, who's never played it, understand that SimCity can literally only be played online. And that was the first problem. The servers couldn't handle the amount of people, people who wanted to play the game. The servers were crashing left and right. The servers wouldn't even let you get into the game. Because I put the game in the day I got it, which was two days after the launch, after the release date. And I couldn't even start playing the game.
0: See, that's not good, man.
3: Then, after I started playing the game, my game would crash and say that the server is not accessible.
0: Holy shit.
3: So, if I turn off my router, I can't play SimCity.
0: That's insane.
3: You all know that EA is perfect for this. I'm not saying what happened today, tomorrow, or next year. But eventually, EA will close the service for SimCity, which means that you'll never be able to play that game again once that happens.
0: The game will be a fucking paperweight.
3: Exactly, unless somehow when that time comes, they say, download this patch and you can play it offline. See? Which if they do something like that, which they probably won't, that would be fine.
0: Well, the crazy thing is, with all those issues still... A million copies in two weeks, and it's unfortunate because yeah, they probably would have sold more.
3: One of the cool things is that, oddly enough, SimCity, which is classically been a single player game, unlike Tomb Raider, they successfully made it a multiplayer game. Oh, there because you go. If I start a region. I start one of my cities. My friend can start another city on the same stretch of land and we can interact.
0: There you go. I think, I think the problem is with, with games like this, that they're, they're trying so hard to, to protect their, their products from piracy that they're overstepping and hindering the enjoyment of the consumer. I think that's the toughest thing. I think with them it, with with them using some of these tactics, they're hurting themselves. I mean, the the issues with this were so big, you know, the, the head of EA stepped down. I mean, part of it was because of these issues with SimCity. They were also talking about all the issues with microtransactions that they were trying to institute. It it, it just hasn't been a good a good start to twenty thirteen for EA.
3: I mean, I was pissed off. For one, I got shafted on the, the, um, the pre-order because the pre-order is supposed to let you play the demo. The demo was open for about five days. And because I happened to be busy at the time, I completely forgot to play it within that window. So I didn't get to play the fucking demo.
0: Damn.
3: Then there's the fact that you have to have an Origin account to play the game I had set up an origin account I think when I when I started playing Need for Speed but you have to have an origin account to play the game again because you have to play it online so the people who have the the, um, the gaming PCs, be thankful you do because when you play SimCity you're running not one but two games, two programs at the same time and it's like, why do I have to run this shit just to play SimCity? Right. Why it's... I have to run this shit just to play any EA game? Oh. And that's the thing with that other download. I'm like, most of those games that they're offering, you, you still have to have an origin account to play them, except for freaking Plantsworth and Zombies, which, honestly, if you're a PC gamer, who the hell hasn't played that? That's right. Like, of those those games there, most of them, if I wanted to play them, I would or I already have played them on a console. Right. I don't want to play them on PC. So I'm I'm going to wind up just getting the, the deluxe edition of SimCity, which all that does is add on international building sets, and they charge an additional $20 for that if you bought it. 'Cause the game this was the other pisser. Notice how let's let's take one of those games you mentioned in that list. Let's right. take Need for speed most wanted. Okay. Buy it on the, the PS three or the PS3 the the three sixty or the Wii U, it's sixty bucks. Right. Buy it for PC, it's fifty bucks. Sim which is a PC over game, was sixty bucks. Right. So let me get this straight, a game that forces you to play online, you're not going to be able to play forever like most games, and crashes left and right, because honestly it does still crash occasionally, not nearly as much, but it does happen you have to pay console price for it, instead of the regular PC game cost of 49 dollars Sure. And if you would, I'm sorry to anybody who might get offended, dumb enough to buy a deluxe edition, you paid 79 and all you got for that were, were um, you know, like the Eiffel Tower and Big Ben. I mean, you get more than that, literally. But i will just giving an example, right? Because that's all that it's giving you is international building building design. Because the the hero and villain um, concept, all you have to do is pre-order the game to get that, and you, you get heroes and villains running around the city.
0: Hmm. It's a it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy sa- state of affairs for EA, and. You know, I've I've never been a fan of EA just because of their business practices, but this particular bit of news I, I wanted to discuss with you because it affected you and it affected so many people in a way that they just couldn't enjoy the game that that was meant to be enjoyed as as a game that's therapeutic and has a, a very long shelf life. Because, you know, Sin City games have a long shelf life, and for people to be kind of stuck with regards to, you know, having to have an internet connection and all this shit, it, it really just saps the enjoyment out of the game.
3: Yes, it does. Like, honestly, I bought the game after I saw the trailer. I pre-ordered it. And I really didn't pay attention. Like, I I know that SimCity The Sims is made by Maxis, and I completely let it slip my mind that Maxis is on my EA now. Ah. I think if I had thought about that, I wouldn't even have bought the game. Because after the whole need for speed bullshit where, you know, again, going back, you pay fifty nine ninety nine for the game, then you gotta pay another ten bucks to get these quote unquote supercars and literally a month later they dropped the game to forty nine ninety nine. And everything's in it.
0: Yep. That was very so frustrating.
3: Game, I happened to have Microsoft Points on my account already. So I didn't pay for the, the um, I forgot what it was called there, the Ultimate Speed Pack. Because I already had points there. But the game that essentially cost me $70 dropped to 50 a month after I got it. It had everything that I paid $70 for. So, basically, I got the Greystone treatment. Which, if you remember that movie, Tarzan Pissed in the Face.
0: <laughs> That's true. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a a It's a weird state of affairs. The other bit of gaming news I wanted to talk to you about to wrap things up. Um, is, is, is your boys at deep silver announced that they uh, saints row four, they, they wasted no time showing it off. Uh, saints row four, the leader of the saints is now the president of the United States and, um, you have to stop an alien invasion. So, you know, you get to wield all these superpowers and stuff. It, it's it looked like straight out of the matrix, but, um, the craziest part is that the game is dropping on current-gen consoles and PC in August. Which leads me to believe that Saints Row was pr- was probably already done when THQ got broken apart.
3: Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think they drop it in August to try to get a jump on, on GTA. It stops in September. Okay. And I've never, ever been a fan of Saints Row. I will probably never, ever be a fan of Saints Row. I don't give two shits about that game. I'm saying that with all honesty because I have tried it, and I didn't like it. And it's just, I don't know, it's just like a level of idiocy, idiocy in that game. and <laughs> It just tries so hard to go over the top. Because it, I don't know. It's like it just has this this grand theft auto penis envy that just doesn't go away.
0: Well, it's funny. It's funny you look at it that way, and I'll tell you why. I played the first Saints Row. I wasn't totally impressed. I skipped the second, then I jumped back into it with the third, and it was just so mindless and so silly that I enjoyed it. But I enjoyed it in the same way I enjoyed Crackdown. You know, where it was just mindless stupidity you know you want to run around and hit a guy in the head with a dildo while you're dressed in a in in, in a pedo bear costume with, with with dominatrix bra and panties over it go right ahead like it it got to the point of ridiculousness and i think that's what helped set it apart from the more i want to say the more visceral gta franchise because gta there's a lot of fun to be had in those games but it the violence is so legit, you know, like, hi, I'm going to punch this homeless guy in the face and take his money in in, in Saints Row. It's like, hi, I'm going to beat this old lady with a dildo and then run her over with a clown car. It, it just it's just so random and so and so ridiculous that that's the only reason why I think I enjoyed it, because it was that kind of mindlessness that really just motivated me to finish the game now. Uh, it, are it, are there inferior qualities to it? Sure. Are there qualities that were all right? Absolutely. But I will say that for them to put a game out that came out of a company that for all intents and purposes folded with the game still in-house is a pretty impressive feat, you know? Yeah.
3: But um, I think my, my thing with Saints Row is I guess I'm waiting for it to grow up. <laughs> like, I, you look at you look at GTA three, and look at GTA four. And I, I'm not talking about graphics at all. I'm just like, look at how the game matured. Right. And it's like, you look at Saints Row. You're still going to be. It's, they're talking about running around in their costumes fighting aliens as the president of the United States. I'm like,
0: really? But that's what I mean. But, but I think that what, what they did with saints row is they carved out the niche of being the anti GTA. And, and I think that they've embraced that to the point where they just make fun of themselves. It's like, you know how Deadpool breaks the fourth wall in comics. I think saints row, wants to be, you know, the Deadpool of of the gaming industry. They just want to be the guys that don't take themselves seriously, that you can pick up their games, have a good time, and go about your business.
3: I guess after seeing, in the, during the, um, the PS4 event, after seeing Watch Dogs, it's like, games like that, I just, I want them to be more serious. Right. It's like, let's put it this way. I'm playing a Lego game right now that is in the same vein as GTA that's more serious than Saints Row.
0: Oh, well, there you have and it. it. And it is a silly game. Well, you know, Saints Row's the game. Say When you say to yourself, damn, where can I hit somebody in the face with a dildo and take their money? Oh, Saints Row. That's that's how that's how I look at it. I mean, it, it's not for everybody, but it was so mindless that I was just like, wow, I had a pretty good time playing it. <laughs> it
3: was like I was doing that in 2005, in freaking Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. That's right. In 2013, now, that that's what I mean when I say that one essential is Central gonna grow up.
0: That's never gonna happen, bro. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's going to be their selling point, you know, not 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 growing up. Like, Saints Row is going to be the stifler uh, of, of, of this series. You know, it's going to be the Deadpool of this series, a game that just doesn't take itself seriously but wears it on its sleeve and tells you, hey, you want to dress up as a bear costume in a clown car and beat people with dildos? So be it. You want to have a gang of guys that talk with, you know, auto tune microphones. Let's have it.
3: You know what else intro four is going to be? What? It's going to be the next thing that assholes like Fox News use to say that violent video games make freaking
0: people shoot up schools. Probably. That'll be a game that they will cite. I bet you. If something, if something tragic happens, they will cite that game. They'll. I mean, a while back something happened and they had cited Bulletstorm. Because Bullet Storm was kind of, you know, in that vein of, you know, you kick people in the in the in the balls, and you know, you get an achievement like you know, like Shithead is some shit, you know. So, I can I can definitely see that being a, a point of discussion for sure. Anything else you wanted to add, my friend?
3: No, it is what it is, man. is. Well, we'll see when it comes out. If the demo comes out, I might try it. I'll see if I like it. I'll
0: give it another chance. Or worst case, I could could rent three again from Gamefly and we could just play that and just cause havoc. All right, man. All right, my dude. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick. You can follow him on Twitter, MTR Slick. He also moderates on the MTR fan page, so you can hit him up there. And of course, make sure to... Share your thoughts and comments on any of the stuff he posts. He's been doing phenomenal work with Young Justice, which is slowly coming to a close. And I think he'd love to hear from you guys if you're a Young Justice fans. So definitely stop by the site and uh, hit him up. All right, let's wrap things up and sprint to the finish. We got to talk entertainment news, so let's get the ball rolling. let's open things up after many rumors and speculation it is now official that Batista has joined the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy he will be playing Drax the Destroyer so there you have it Batista will be joining Chris Pratt who is playing Star-Lord and the movie is going to be directed by James Gunn that's going to be coming out August 1st 2014 so there you go Jason Momoa is out Isaiah Washington is out and our very own Batista will be playing the role of Drax the Destroyer I'm, I'm a little torn about how I feel about that. I mean, I, I recently saw the man with the iron fists and Batista's acting was uh, questionable to say the least, but we'll see what they do with Drax the Destroyer. Who knows? Maybe Batista may step his game up. I'm sure he will put in a lot of work to be a physically imposing presence in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not, I'm not going to say he's going to suck, but it's definitely going to be something we're going to want to keep an eye on. In some other Marvel news, it looks like some other returning cast members from other X-Men movies will be coming back to the newest X-Men film. Daniel Cudmore, who you saw in X2 and X-Men The Last Stand, will be returning to Reprise's role as Colossus. Also, a new addition to the cast is a young lady whose name is Fan Bing Bing. <laughs> she will be playing uh, Blink, who is a teleporter from various X-Men books, which you can check out. Definitely Wikipedia, that character. The other person returning is, well, not returning, but being added to the cast is, get this, Boo Boo Stewart, who a lot of you may recognize from the Twilight Saga. I would really legitimately kill myself if my first name was Boo Boo. I don't care if it was that my parents were were, were hippies or drug dealers. You named me Boo Boo which for all intents and purposes is a mistake. So this kid's name is Mistake Stewart. Anyway, he's joining the casting for Days of the Future Past. Who he's playing, I don't know. But I will say that they're joining returning cast members Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Fassbender, Nicholas Holt, Anna Paquin, Ellen Page, Sean Ashmore, Peter Dinklage, who... For most, I really am strongly thinking he's gonna play Bolivar Trask. Omar Sy, who's a new addition, and the returning Halle Berry as well, who will be playing Storm. Days of the Future Past will hit theaters July eighteenth, twenty fourteen. Definitely looking forward to seeing Colossus back in there. I think he was a character that, um, you know, was very underutilized, especially in the in the in the second X Men film, and he's a guy who. Is part of that main group of X-Men who's appeared consistently in books and he was just an afterthought but glad to see him coming back for days of the future past. In some box office totals the juggernaut Oz the Great and Powerful continued to just decimate the box office taking the number one spot 42.2 million dollars 145 million dollar total. The call took 17.1 million dollars the incredible Burt Wonderstone took 10.3 jack the giant slayer made 6.2 with a total of 53.9 identity thief continues to do well 4.5 million dollars 123.7 million dollars total snitch made 37.3 million dollars after grabbing 3.5 million dollars this past weekend 21 and over is at 21.9 million dollars total silver linings playbook remains in the top 10 With $124.6 million, Safe Haven is number 9, and Escape from Planet Earth is number 10. Anyway, this weekend in theaters is going to be Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, It's the return of Gerard Butler to the action genre. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua. There's a lot of really, really great actors in there, including Morgan Friedman, um, Dylan McDermott, Rick Yoon, Melissa Leo, just just a great cast. And the funny thing is that you're going to look at the film and you're going to say to yourself, it's Die Hard in the White House. And it's true it, to to a degree. But you also have to look at it as as an action film that keeps you not on the edge of your seat, but just keeps you involved in wanting to see what happens next. Gerard Butler is coming off a string of just shitty romantic comedies that he's just he just doesn't fit in. I think he's kind of solidified himself as a, as a solid action star. And this was a great return to form. Of course, Antoine Fuqua, you may know him from his work with Training Day and Den- with Denzel Washington and also with Shooter, with Mark Wahlberg, which were both solid, solid action films. Um, obviously, Training Day um, got Denzel Washington the Oscar. But besides that, I think that Antoine Fuqua did a good job of just playing on the strength of the cast that he had. Morgan Freeman was amazing, and his chemistry with Angela Bassett was very, very good. Not to mention um, Rick Yoon, who I said in the review for Olympus Has Fallen is a guy who is destined to to be a, a great, great leading man in the future. I think he's a guy that has, he has the look, he has the screen presence to carry a film. He's been playing a lot of... Um, you know the typical stereotypical Korean bad guys, the 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 foreign bad guys, but I think he does have that presence along the lines of you know like how Alan Rickman was in Die Hard, who you just he just needs that breakout role. Um, Rick Yoon, he actually was the X Blade in Man with the Iron Fist, and he was he was a hero in that one. You know for for all intents and purposes, and I use the term hero loosely, but he was very good in that. I mean, his work uh, with um, Pierce Brosnan in 007 was very, very good. Uh, I just feel that he's he's a guy that needs the right roles to really showcase his skills. And I think alongside Gerard Gerard Butler, he he did a really good job. Aaron Eckhart in his role as the president was stellar as well because it wasn't too over the top and it wasn't you know too much rah rah America. If, if you want to check it out, I definitely recommend you do. Especially if you're a fan of films like Shooter, Die Hard, things like that. I think you'll enjoy it. The only thing I will say is that the footage of the terrorists taking over the White House... um, You know, if, if you really wanted to give Al-Qaeda some ideas, they, they would probably watch this film to get them. Because there were so many things that were done that... Even though obviously it's a movie and and there's levels of 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 things that happen that are extremely far fetched certain things that went down were just I I kind of want to say a little too close to for home especially you know living in New York City in a in a post 9/11 New York and seeing certain things that were used in this movie or things that can really happen and I I commend Antoine Fuqua for that Uh, There were, there was a lot of just, just real visceral violence. Um, especially in some of the earlier scenes when, uh, the the terrorists stormed the white house, just things that you should be aware of in the event that, you know, you're a little not squeamish, but just not used to that type of in your face violence. Uh, definitely didn't spare any expense Fight choreography was on point. So all in all, I recommend you do check out Olympus has fallen, uh, is it, is it worth paying full price? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, it's a solid two hours. You can invest in the box office. Um, you know, I usually rank films as either being matinee worthy or $12 worthy. And I think Olympus has fallen is a, is a solid $12 investment because, like I said, it, it was a solid story, a really, really good cast, and... Some good fight choreography and excellent action sequences. So I figured I'd share that with you. If you want a deeper review, make sure to head over to mytakeradio.com and you can read the review there. In some unnecessary sequel and reboot news, we got a couple of news briefs this week. Number one, Escape from New York. I talked about this a couple of months back. They were contemplating doing a reboot and um, it kind of fell by the wayside. Well, it looks like it's actually moving ahead. And they're going to plan a new take on the story, which is going to be now a trilogy, which is going to obviously start with an origin story and then move on from there. So there you have it. We're going to get a new escape from New York remake, which is going to then branch out into a trilogy. A film that I felt really didn't deserve a sequel is getting one ladies and gentlemen, and that is Hensel and Gretel witch hunters seems that, the international totals really, really helped bring it full circle, earning it $205 million. $151 million of that came from overseas and really pushed the film into the highly profitable territory. So as of right now, there's no word yet whether Jeremy Renner or Gemma Arterton will return. Uh, Paramount paid $50 million for the first film. So based off of that, I'm sure we're going to get it, and if they have to recast the roles, they'll probably recast the roles with people that will uh, probably take less money and and still make the film pretty profitable. Now, the other movie I wanted to talk about that's getting a remake is a movie from my childhood that was, you know, it's a movie that very few people really talk about, but it's a movie that I'm sure many of us have seen as a kid, and that is Pete's Dragon. Um, It seems that Disney wants to do a remake of that and they've hired David Lowry and Toby Halbrooks to write it. Jim Whitaker will be producing it and they want to reinvent the core story, but the new film will not be a musical. For those of you that aren't familiar with Pete's dragon, it's about an animated dragon with a live action cast. It had Mickey Rooney, Shelly Winters, red buttons was in it. And basically it's a, you know, an orphan boy that comes to town with a, a dragon and, um, and he's being followed by his abusive adoptive parents. It's a, it's a, it's a very touching and very crazy story, especially for, for the time period when it came out. I remember watching Pete's dragon. I was, um, I had just recovered from an asthma attack at the time. And I remember I was, uh, dealing with asthma and I think I was, ba- I was battling a cold. And when the movie was on, I watched the movie in an emergency room and, I believe it was in Jacoby Hospital in the Bronx at the time, and the crazy thing was I had a fever that was so high that I actually thought the dragon was real, which was which was pretty crazy. I was I was sitting there in this emergency room with my mom and my grandmother at the time, and they're playing Pete's Dragon. It's like you know, 2 a.m., and I'm waiting to go in to get a, a a treatment on the asthma machine, and they're playing this movie in the in the waiting room, and I was just so so sucked in because I, I was sick and it was a cartoon, but it just always stuck out to me because it was something so weird and so different at that time that when I got a little older, I kind of hunted it down because I asked a lot of people and I didn't even know what the name of the movie was. And I remember I asked a kid at school about it and he was like, oh yeah, that that's Pete's dragon. So I went to a, a an old video store in the neighborhood and rented the VHS tape and watched the movie. And it's a movie that, like I said, I'm sure many of us have seen and probably have forgotten about. Like, I didn't remember that story until I was reading the Pete's Dragon article earlier this week. And I was just like, wow. To see them remaking that is just something that's uh, su- such a blast from the past for me that I'm interested in seeing what they're going to do. Because, like I said, it, it was hand drawn animation with a uh, live action cast, similar to the way Roger Rabbit was done. And I, you know, I think Disney. It kind of is stepping away from doing the the hand-drawn animation, and they want to do, you know, the stuff like Toy Story and and that style, but I would like to see Pete's Dragon done, and if it's going to be remade in the classic style with hand-drawn animation, I think the the animation at that time was was just really good, and if you're going to do the remake, at least keep the, the general look of it intact. We'll see what happens. And, uh, Transformers 4, yes, I'm sure Slick will be excited about this, is in the news this week. It seems that they will be doing some filming in Detroit, and they actually leaked out a little bit of the plot synopsis, so, um, check this out. According to the synopsis of the film, As humanity picks up the pieces following the conclusion of Transformers Dark of the Moon, Autobots and Decepticons have all but vanished from the face of the planet. However, a group of powerful, ingenious businessmen and scientists attempt to learn from past Transformer incursions and push the boundaries of technology beyond what they can control. All while an ancient, powerful Transformer menace sets Earth in his crosshairs, the epic adventure and battle between good and evil, freedom and enslavement ensues. I am praying that we get to see Unicron. That would be If you're gonna do anything, Michael Bay, you've bastardized this movie, this series enough, give me Unicron. That would be kind of badass. I wouldn't mind seeing it. But, to go into, um... (laughs) Slick says in the chat, I am praying that this movie does not come out. Look, the way I see it is, if, if you've pretty much killed Megatron, and you reformat him as Galvatron, I can live with that. But... Looking at Dark of the Moon, you did pretty much kill every awesome character that we all know and love. You killed Megatron, you killed Starscream, you killed Soundwave, you killed, um, what's his name, Shockwave. So, what are you gonna do? If you're gonna bring in Unicron and have him reformat these guys, at least reformat them into characters we know. Galvatron, Cyclonus, some of those characters, I I could live with that. As for the Autobots, most, you know, Bumblebee was still alive and um, a couple of those guys and Optimus Prime got his ass whooped, but um, who knows, maybe we'll see, you know, the always popular Hot Rod in the next Transformers movie, who knows, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do because to go large scale, um, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, slick! Slick is is going ape in the chat room. He puts beep bop beep is bumblebee for fuck. <laughs> He's like fuck this movie. Um, um, like I said, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Unicron. I'd like to see the Dino Bots. At least if it's Michael Bay's last film, give me that. Give me the Dino Bots on screen, and please let them look like dinosaurs and not like jumbled up pieces of metal, um, like you did with most of the with most of the Decepticons. But we shall see what happens. Transformers is still a, a while away. I'm thinking um I believe late twenty fourteen, maybe early twenty fifteen, if I remember correctly. I gotta do a little research for the projected release date. But there you have it. Fast six is getting the IMAX treatment. I did want to talk about that only because Vin Diesel and um Dwayne Johnson have been doing press for it. Of course, Vin Diesel also has been doing some stuff for Riddick, but the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is talking about possibly doing a spinoff for his character Luke Hobbs, and that spinoff would be taking place between Fast 6 and Fast and Furious 7, so I'm curious to see how they plan on pulling that off. If you remember, if you've ever seen The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, you know that they ended up doing a spinoff of that, which was U.S. Marshall's with Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Wesley Snipes, if I remember correctly. And it was not well received. I think if you're going to do something like this with fast and furious and Luke Hobbs character, you got to really give us a good story and include an awesome bad guy. And clearly you can't make it, you know, the rock driving around in fast cars and shit because it's not going to work on the contrary. If you want to do something that's more action friendly less car porn more action so be it but to to break it off and start creating this franchise you better have firm belief not only in the fact that the rock can keep this going but that you can give him some good bad guys that he can work with like i said we're going to be seeing a lot of the rock we got wrestlemania we got gi joe coming out next friday which we'll probably be reviewing that weekend and of course we got fast six dropping may 24th so the Rock is going to be very busy, and if you're looking forward to seeing it on the big screen, you can see Fast 6 in IMAX, and that's going to be in select theaters starting May 22nd. So there you have it. May 22nd for the IMAX release, May 24th for the regular release. All right. That actually is going to wrap up the show for this week. Actually, we did pretty good. We actually got everything done. I definitely... I'm going to go on record as saying that I feel very rusty (laughs) coming back even after a one week hiatus. It it happens, but uh, we should be hitting our stride next week. Um, I may make the jump to doing the show exclusively on Mixler next week. We shall see what happens Um, right now. I got to try and work out these soundboard issues, especially if we want to do that next week because I need all that stuff working. But other than that, I'm glad Blog Talk Radio didn't pull any shit this week, so at least, knock on wood, that went well. Anyway, let's take it home, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 177 for Thursday, March 21st, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, or would like to write for us, either in a guest capacity or in an ongoing capacity, you can email me at mtrhost. At mytakeradio.com. If you're not a fan of email, you can always hit up our feedback line three four seven eight one five zero six eight seven. That's three four seven eight one five zero MTR. If you don't want your message played on air, please make sure to specify that when you leave your message. As for social media, we are all over the place. Look for us on Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter at My Take Radio. Add us to your circle on Google Plus. And even MySpace, we're trying to get that back up and running. So if you're still using MySpace, make sure to stop by there as well. I would give out the Formspring address, but Formspring sadly is going out of business. So we will not be using the Formspring plat- platform to answer any questions anymore. Wow. Way to have a brain fart there. Yes, Formspring is going out of business. No more formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. So if you have any questions, you can always ask them on the fan page or via Tumblr or any of the other outlets where we publish our content. Last but not least, you can get the official My Take Radio app on Android and iOS devices either by visiting iTunes for iOS devices or visiting the Amazon Android market. It's going to run you $1.99. You get access to 96k stereo episodes of MTR plus exclusive content and mobile wallpapers as well. Lastly, you can always listen to My Take Radio via Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Zune Marketplace, BlackBerry Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. If you are using iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it, and it helps us climb up the rankings. All right, guys, I will catch you next week. On behalf of myself, Slick, Ben, and the rest of the MTR cast, I'm out. Peace.